find your forte. Live your forte. Welcome to another Finding Your Forte podcast. You're back with Seeps, and today I've got a long overdue and special guest. He's also a friend, but I've been waiting, <laughs> let's see, about two years maybe? No, Something like that. You haven't been doing it for two years to say. No, I have been doing it for two years because I started in 2015. Shit. I didn't start in 2016, but lo and behold, I finally got the man himself. Some people know him as a legend. I know him as. As just the righteous one. Just, <laughs> I'm just a man. But I've got Abraham Adeyemi, um, who is a scriptwriter, but he's not just a scriptwriter, he's many things. Um, but I'll now say, how has your day been? My day's been good. My day's been good. Um, I stayed up pretty late. My sleeping patterns are an absolute mess right now. Like I've been, Why? Do you know what? I'm trying to decide what it's because of. I think, so now my memory's not working. I think it's linking, I'm linking it back to the last night of my showcase where I stayed out till like 6, 7 a.m. And I feel like it's just been a mess since then. And But there's been a few of those nights in the last three weeks. And so I'm not really sleeping. Right? Like I'm not going to sleep till like 3, 4 o'clock. And then I'm also having loads of naps during the day. So I'm just messing myself up. Like I'm making it so much worse. Okay, so before we get into all the cool stuff that you've been up to. Let's go into a deep dive into who you are and what you do. Cool, deep dive. So, um, yeah, your screen lady, right? Screen, ah, oh, that's a good one to discuss, actually. So I'm a, I'm, I just, I'm a writer, primarily, I would actually say primarily I'm a screenwriter, but it's weird because a lot of people think I'm primarily a playwright. Like, I get these questions recently, like, oh, would you ever write film on TV? I'm like, yeah, because nope. GK actually that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I'm like, yo, like, I love writing film and TV so much. Like, that's what I love more than anything. I'm right, even though, in terms of the output for the last year and a half, it's primarily been theatre. What people see is what they see is what they believe I'm doing. So they're okay. seeing so much for it. But I write film, theatre, television. Um, I've dabbled in the past in copywriting. In fact, I still do quite a bit of copywriting privately for friends like people ask me to do some copywriting mm -hmm. for them happy to support people's ventures and um but i'll just call myself a writer like i like expressing myself through words so you know one day i hope to songwrite i don't think i'm capable of it yet but it's that's actually i think if i ever manage that that'll probably be my biggest a songwriter i would listen because i love music i've always loved music of I've, course yeah yeah. we've had our conversations about that as well but this is it and i, I can't sing but I would love to write songs. Like I, I would can't really. Sing, but I wrote you a <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. But yeah. Um, no, I think okay. So how did <clears throat> how did you always know you wanted to be a writer? Before we carry on, cool. I, I haven't done myself justice. How? So I mentioned the writing, and I also run my own company. Oh yeah, this is of true. Course, and that's this how we would have forgotten about. I run Creative So I run a company called Creative Blue Balls. Um, it's a it's again in that theatre and film mm -hmm. world, but it's. It started as just my frustration of being a writer and not really getting opportunities, so producing my own work. But we've now got to a stage this year privately, but next year publicly, where we're using it as a platform to nurture other writers and give them a platform to use their talent. Like, yeah, for me, I love I love supporting people. And so if I'm seeing, if I read someone's work and I think they're dope, I'm just like, yo, I want to give you an opportunity. So yeah, that's, that's what Creative Blue Balls is. It's about 
you know, using hopefully the lessons I've learned and the tools that I have to help someone else to get to where I am, if not further. Yeah. Yeah. I think creative rules is something that we'll definitely touch on because I think there's a lot of things that, and I think are lessons that we've mm. discussed privately, but yeah. also I think there's a lot of things that you've had through your journey with Creative Blue Balls because mm. your showcase <coughs> a few weeks ago, the one last week, um, amongst other things that you've done in between it. But um, I guess it's more interesting to start with your journey with writing because I remember, if I'm not mistaken, you didn't start off at uni doing writing, correct? What, as in academically? Academically. Oh, yeah, absolutely not academically. So I was at Brunel with you. Big, up, was, big up, Brunel. Big up, oh, listen, big up, Brunel. Like, if it, not for Brunel, I'd have never gone into writing, which is crazy once I start talking about it. So I was doing international politics at Brunel. So mm-hmm. I was doing international politics. Um, I was very much on my way to going into law or finance. Like, before I started my degree so in the year or not even the year the summer before first year of uni I did a at an investment bank if I'd kind of if I'd kept going back every summer and stuff like that I would have ended up easily with a grand job in finance uh the year before that so just before the final year of college I'd done a couple of internships in law and one in like a law firm one in um a chambers and for those who don't know what that means it's basically solicitor barrister and again, it was the same thing where if I had carried on in that vein, I would have, you know, gone into those fields. Like even to this day, I still talk to the barrister who I did that with. Like he, we've got such a good relationship. I remember because he's like levels. Like he's a QC, which again, for people who don't know, it's um, it stands for Queen's Council, which is the mm. highest level of barrister you can be in this country. Yeah, like yeah. his life is mad. It's like different. listen, for a couple of years, he was so he's the chambers he works in is in Chancery Lane. Mm-hmm. Or one of those, and Grace Grace and one, and he was commuting daily from Paris. Like, what? Listen, you think that's funny? Now he commutes from Spain, just that he doesn't do it daily. So he'll stay here Monday to Friday, but he he considers home to be in Spain. Like that's where his yeah, wife yeah, lives yeah, and everything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And so you know, for me, the day when I made this decision, and everything, I and I was like scared. Like, yo, you've invested so much into me, and 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 it, he definitely felt it. Like he was sad to hear it, but at the same time, he was so encouraging he was like yo just you know whatever makes you happy do it and he's like you have nothing but my support like the same way you've always had my support going into law you now have my support in this new thing and he I'm pretty sure he I didn't see him physically so maybe he didn't come but I'm sure he came to the showcase last year okay because I know he had a ticket but I don't remember seeing him yeah in fact I need to I'm gonna send him an email in the new year (laughs) but um but yeah coming back to your question yeah so I started with at Brunel international politics um halfway through second year um, I was like I woke up really unhappy one day like I'm not happy and my logic has always been in life when it comes to unhappiness is what makes you happy so it could be as simple as I'm in a bad mood one day so I'm like you know I'm gonna watch films or I'm gonna play FIFA or Grand Theft Auto all day I'm gonna you know whatever like that's me but then on a bigger picture when I'm like I'm not happy with life I'm like what makes okay you're not happy with life what makes you happy and this morning was mad it was like 4am in the morning I remember it so vividly I watched um I don't know if you've ever seen it. Oprah had this series called Masterclass. Yeah, was called... that on her own network? Yes. Yeah. So I remember I watched Jay-Z's episode and I think maybe Simon Cowell's episode and one Yeah, because Jay-Z's one was the first one. Yes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I woke up this morning just, and, and I just was in my room and then I was just like, well, what's always made you happy? 
And as I kept thinking about it, I was like, writing has always made me, pardon me, writing's always made me happy. So I was like, well, everyone's always said you should be a writer. Go do that. It makes you happy. So why not? And that was it. Like literally in that morning, I made my decision, went and told our mutual friend who, you know, obviously Gabs, because mm-hmm. me and Gabs are living to each other. Okay. So I was like, yeah, Gabs, I'm dropping out of uni. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm dropping out. Like, what do you mean wow. you're dropping out? I was like, I've decided I want to write. I was like, okay, but why don't you just finish your degree and then do that? And for me, the logic was, I don't, yeah, not to say I encourage to think like this, because I def, I don't, like, oh, half-half Gemini in it. <laughs> but yeah. on the most part, my stance is I don't like the idea of a plan B, because I don't like the idea of knowing that there's something I could fall back on, because I don't think I will chase that thing hard enough, knowing that, oh, well, if it messes up, I'll be fine, because I can still do that. I'm like, no, I need to go at it. And, I, and again, coming back to it, I was like, okay, cool, what happens? I finish my degree get my 2-1 on my first thing in international politics, have the job offers, defer them for a year. In that year, I spend it pursuing writing. It doesn't work out. I'm really broke, still living in my mum's house. All the problems I'll be having, I'll just be looking at the way out is there and I just haven't taken it, which is go get one of those jobs. Mm. So I was like, no, you can't have that to fall back on. So that was it. I dropped out and yeah, that's it. So how did you know you always wanted to be a writer or...? Cause, I didn't yeah. know I always wanted to be one because I didn't always want to be one. I always wanted to be a lawyer. Like from day So how did writing come into it? Because it's like even you said that your yeah. friends So everyone always told me to be a writer, yeah. but I never wanted to be. So I always I've always enjoyed writing. And when I say I enjoy writing, I mean on the most basic level in terms of in school I always liked writing essays. Like essays were never okay. a problem. Okay. And then if you go back to primary school in the SATs, I remember being so excited to write a letter as in like my year six SATs. Yeah. Like yeah, so that's what it's like. I've just always liked writing stuff. Like, I've always liked communicating through words. And, and so it could be anything. It could be a letter. It could be uh, a, a short story. Although I don't think I really enjoyed... When I was younger, I don't think I enjoyed telling stories. Uh, it was just, just using words. That's it. Like, using words to convey my point and communicate them in... And kind of, like, the kind of excitement of, of successfully using them. So yeah, that's it. I always enjoyed it, and and people always encouraged it. Mm. But again, when you come back to my academic background, like I went to grammar school, so for me, my stance is well, everyone's saying you're good at it. Well, no, you're not because everyone here is good at this. So yeah, it's weird because I think grammar school is incredible, but I think that's one. I don't even know. If, it's weird. I've never talked to my friends about this, yeah. and it'd be interesting to see what they think. But I wonder if it's a thing where you sometimes don't realise how maybe brilliant you are at something because you feel like the standard around you is that everyone's excellent. Like, to give you context, in my school or in my year group, and it's, it'll be... The figure I'm about to say, it's definitely higher now. In my year group, 51% of the grades were A-stars or A's, like, across the board. I got one A. <laughs> like, wow. so... And it's weird, like, my grades, in your average school, they're good grades. In my school, I'm like, yo, every, like... This person got 12 A-stars, this one got 11, this one got, you know, like... I can name you those people as well. Like, I know yeah, the names yeah. of the people who got 12 A-stars who got... There was two people who got 12 A-stars in my year. Then there was one who got 11. So the two were John John Remigus and Sarah Lovell. Like, they both got 12 A's. Like, so you know what I mean? Like, there's that standard of excellence. So it's the same with, you know, with my writing. Like, yes, I always... You know, my 1A was in English, of course. <laughs> but, um, which still I'm bitter about because it should have been in both Englishes, but life... She lived in French and Spanish as well. And mass, I missed about one flipping mark. But anyway. You've always been academically sharp. Yeah. Yeah. To say the least. Uh, Yeah. So I guess with the whole writing aspect, it's interesting because you bring up something that 
I think I've been discussing quite a lot, which is mm. this kind of comparison complex. And it's interesting mm. that you, you discuss it at a very formative time of your life, which mm. is school, mm. where we compare ourselves a lot to others. Mm. We compare ourselves, be it grades. Like you said, there was a high standard of general excellence. So it didn't necessarily allow you within your own personal excellence mm. to affirm that because you just continually would compare yourself to the standard. Yeah. And it's really <coughs> this kind of thing where a lot of people will dim their own light purely because they see a brighter light out there or yeah. they just think that this is how bright something should be. Mm. But how did you kind of overcome that and actually go to really saying, I want to do this completely? Because A, you've done a lot of risks that a lot of people are adverse from taking, mm. which is changing their degree, yeah, chasing it, and at the same time, you know, you have your doubters where yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call um, your friends doubters, but they, you know, they put that apprehension yeah. in you, that conservatism yeah. in you, saying that, are you sure? And it's that's yeah. the I think that's the biggest question that feeds doubt more than anything when someone asks you, are you sure? Because it makes mm. you second guess yourself. Mm. So how did you kind of, I guess, I have, I have shine your excellence? Kind of, I have yeah. three answers. So in terms of overcoming that doubt, the first answer is so cliche, but you know, it's so cliche I don't want to say it, but oh, pursuit of happiness, which for me is like, I want to be happy. And that's all that mattered in that time. And still does. But I was like, what's going to make me happy? And, and I'm such, I guess part of it comes through being an only child for so many years. Like, I'm very independent. So for me, I'm like, what's going to make me happy? So that was one factor. The second factor is that I've always had such an inherent belief to the point where I think, like now I think about it, I'm just like, how have you always thought this? But I've always believed that no matter what I choose to do, I'm going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, when I used to play basketball when I was younger, I believed I was going to be in the NBA. Like, that, and, and you know, I look back, there's no flipping way I was going to make the NBA. Yeah. But I had that, and maybe I could have. You know, there's still 1% of me who thinks if I had tried hard enough, despite me being too short for the position I played and all of that, maybe I would. But I think the third one as well was the reactions of two people when I told them. And it was the only two people who I cared what they said which was my mum and my uncle, who's my mum's brother. And I told my uncle, and what my uncle said to me was... And I was less worried about my uncle, because he's he's quite like me. Mm. But when I told him, he was like... With him, it was less of wanting permission and more of my fears, which was that, yo, my friends are going to graduate a year from now, and I'm going to be behind the pack so far. But my uncle was like, listen, life isn't a sprint, it's a marathon, and it's not about when you get to the end, it's about that you mm. make it to your goal. And, and he's like, you're talking about your friends who are going to be there in, that, in the next couple of years, like they're all going to be earning this. And they are, like, my, listen, my friends, it's ridiculous how much they're earning. But, yeah. you know, I, he was like, but, and not that this actually counts for them, but it counts for many in society. It's like, they're all going to get there, but are they happy with what they're doing? Mm. Don't worry about the fact that they're not, that you're not going to get it at the same time. Because mm -hmm. as long as you get to where you're going and you're happy, that's all that matters. So his, his response, and the other one was my mum. And it's weird because in hindsight, many years later, I can, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me the way my mum reacted, but at the time, it did. And when I told my mum, her first response was like, I could tell you weren't happy, but I just didn't know what it was and I didn't want to ask you because you just told me to leave you alone. But I knew there was something wrong with you. And then she goes to me, she's like, what have I always told you? I was like, what? She was like, I've always said to you, as long as you're happy, I don't care what you do. And now that I'm 26, I can look back and I'm like, you know what? It's actually true. Like, my mum has never, ever tried to force me to do anything academically. Like, like you know how you get these stereotypical stories from 
from people from ethnic backgrounds where your parents try to get you to do certain subjects. Mm -hmm. They ban you from doing... Like, I remember my best friend, I think he did do art for GCSE, but his mum was so against it. I picked food tech and business studies and music. Like, my mum didn't care. Like, I remember showing her my options and she barely even skipped, like, do what you want. If you're happy, whatever, go ahead. So yeah, My mum was the same. Yeah. Except when she it, cried when I told her I didn't like science. But we, <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah. I, I was bad at science, man. It's my worst subject. It was my worst subject Listen, as well. Two C's. Like, my worst okay, subject. Yeah, I wasn't that bad. But... Oh, damn, shots fired. <laughs> on a I was bad. And, and it was funny because I look back on it now and I, I still look back and I think, including science, I'm, I think... I think anyone, but especially me. Well, not especially as in I'm the only one, but I think when I look back at GCSEs, I'm like, if we all wanted straight A stars, we would have actually got A stars because mm -hmm. because it's, there's a methodology to it, which is actually oh, just yeah, false information into your brain. Mm -hmm. And and clearly, I just wanted to keep telling myself I wasn't good at science. And therefore, I got my two Cs. But yeah, my mom's like, I've always told you, do what makes you happy. So if that's what you want to do, then yeah, leave uni. It's cool. Like, you'll be fine. You have my support. And, and that was it. Like, the only two people who... I say two, but again, I mean one, because I actually think the only person who could have talked me out of it was my uncle. I don't think my mum could have. But yeah, that was it. That, and that was all I needed to to go for it and, and any sort of doubt, whether it be people or myself, mm -hmm. to know, let's just do it. So, that, so now that you've made this decision and you've now changed your degrees and you're now doing this, was it full-time or part-time? My degree was part-time. Yeah. So what did you do with the other part of your time? Oh, man, I loved my... <laughs> so, first year, nothing. Oh, when I say nothing, I mean I didn't work. So I just spent my time writing. Because my thing was, I always said that I didn't need a degree to pursue writing. So I was like, so outside of my degree, I'm going to write, and I'm also going to... I guess I don't want to use that dirty word, network. <laughs> but yeah, I network. Like I. No, you're a networking horse, so I can understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I net. I I made my connections in the industry whilst writing, and and those connections led to me being better. Like there was the other day on Twitter when I was tweeting about um, a director who was like one of the first directors I worked with, and he because of him. He's the reason why I wrote my first full-length script, because he's like, you've got all these brilliant ideas, but where's the script? Cool. He was like, no one's going to take you seriously if you don't have a script. Mm. And so I went away and wrote it. Similarly, he was like, yo, you need to write... Yeah, you need to be able to write 10 pages a day. I can write 10 pages a day in my sleep. Like, it's... And people were like, what? Like, you can... You write... Like, I think last week, in, like, five days, I wrote... Five or six days, I wrote 50 pages. Like, yeah. So it's, is that now, but back then, what was it like? Was, no, could you do it then as well? No, once he made it a thing, yeah. I made sure I could do it. Okay. So within a month, I was capable of doing it. And that's the thing, I don't do it anymore. Like, I only do it when I need to. So because I have deadlines at the moment, I've been doing it. I don't write 10 pages a day, generally speaking, because I don't think it's good for my health yeah. <laughs> or my time or my mental space. I would rather write about five a day max. And also it depends on what life is saying as well. What is life allowing mm -hmm. you to do in terms of time? Like, But in the last week, I've had that time and space, despite being hungover a lot of it. <laughs> to be able to write 10 pages a day. But yeah, I don't even remember what the question was now. Was it what happened then? Part-time degree. Yeah, so we had part, oh yeah, so first year. What you do with yeah. your spare time. Cool, first year spent it writing, networking. Second year, uh, got, uh, was it in second year? 11, 12, cool. Second year, I got a part-time job at EA, a uh, phone shop, which was dope, it was, a, it was it's weird because it was dope because of my manager. My manager, like, there's a, he's got a seat waiting somewhere for him in my life. Yeah. Like, because he was the best guy ever. Like, he just, 
and it was it was like there was no store like my store like i heard stories from other stores it was such a there was so much harmony like a family thing and everyone was on their own grind trying to do their own thing including my manager himself and he was very understanding of that stuff so yeah i remember one shift for example i'm walking into work and i get a text message from a director wanting to meet up with me i'm like this is awkward getting i'm like yo this there's this director who wants to like he's like just go just go like whatever just and I was like I don't know how long it's going to be it's fine like how does that happen yeah. that I'm allowed to like I'm here for the start of my shift and I'm saying I need to go because I need to have a meeting with the director like that don't happen in retail retail don't respect your life so they don't care about you yeah life. but yeah so I was working there part time so I think it was six or eight, 24 hours a week um, third year did the same final year I didn't work so yeah first and final year First and final year didn't work. So yours was a four year. Oh, yeah, four year. Because it was part time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. second and third year, twenty four hours. But again, when I was working, those twenty four hours. So my shift would start at twelve thirty. So I'm waking up at like seven or eight to write. Like wake up at seven eight, writing until I need to leave for work, and then I'll because my my thing always is that I can't. Number one, I can't guarantee that I'm gonna have the energy or whatever to write when I get home. I don't even. You know, I might not even want to go home. I might want to go cinema, I might want to meet up with friends. I might, there might be football to watch. Like, you know, football is a very big, people are always shocked when I talk about how big a factor watching football plays in my life mm. in terms of, I actually plan my life mostly around it. And and so, yeah, yeah, but I, for me it was always, but you have to write this much this week. Like, I think that's always been the thing that's kept. I don't, so you set yourself goals? Yeah, not that much anymore. But I, then yeah, you Yeah, massively. Like, I'm all about discipline. My, like, I always say to people, listen, it, like, yeah, whoever wants to say I have talent or ability, you know, I'll, I'll accept it, I appreciate it, whatever. Me, personally, I will tell you that, scrap all of that, my discipline is why I'm where I am and where I'm hopefully going to. That is the discipline and the hard work. Like, you know when Will Smith, that interview where he talks about how if we're on a treadmill and um, I will die before I get off it if we're racing to see who will get off first? Is that the same one where he mentions that he doesn't like having a plan B? <laughs> Yeah, what odds, right? It is the same one. Yeah. It is the same one. And don't get me wrong, I, don't, I actually don't, I think I would lose on the treadmill. Yeah. I mean, I love working out and stuff like that, but I think I would lose because I'm actually just not going to die on the treadmill. But it's that same attitude, like, oh, let's use it for writing, which is that if you tell me that one of us has to give up this thing, I'm not going to give up. Like, it's dangerous and it's scary, but I'm not going to give up. Like, it's had its effects on my life to such insane levels that, you know, it's very, in my opinion, it's very clear that, I've had every reason to give up and I haven't. So, yeah. So, it's, there's so many things that I'd want to touch on. I think one of them is like, A, the concept of discipline because it's mm. something that you've mentioned about like setting mm. yourself goals mm. which I think is A, very practical and I yeah. think a lot of people miss when they are on their journey or when they want to start off doing something and it, mm. it reminds me of something that I came across called, um, so you know Jerry Seinfeld, right? yeah. yeah. So he had something which was called the Seinfeld formula. Okay. Where basically he would write every day to build up a chain of how many of a chain of events basically. So he would try to write for as many days consecutively as possible before yeah. a day he skipped and tried to make that chain as long as possible. Yeah. And he would write and write and write. And he that was his method of improving himself and to make sure that he always had content, he always had writing. He was at, the writing didn't necessarily have to be bang on the mark every day mm. but it had to he just had to write every day and it was a similar concept that I applied to um, my dissertation mm. where when I came across that I was like okay cool my dissertation is 10,000 words yeah. if I do 
2,000 words, no, sorry, 200 words a day after X amount of days, I would have achieved this much. Yeah, you know, I'm going to cut you as well because they are ridiculous. No offence to anyone who struggled with their dissertations. Yeah. But do you know how ridiculous I find it when people struggle with their dissertation? Because for me, it's as simple as what you just exactly said. Exactly that. X amount of days times X amount of, divided by X amount of words, like, the other way around, actually. Mm-hmm. X amount of words divided by days. Even if you want to give break days, you can still make it mm-hmm. work. For me, it's like, and it takes, you know, I'm going to share a quote with you later, which is one of my favourite quotes, which drives me, but I'm like, I don't get when people are drowning under their dissertation. I'm like, if you just kind of were a bit more planned and prepared, like, there's no way that thing should, and it's weird, because I can't really talk, because my dissertation was very different. I had to write a script, which was a walk in the park. But, I mean, I had to write an essay to accompany it, but I, it, but it's still the same discipline, which yeah. is that I have to write, I think the pay, I had to write a, uh, so you had to write over 60 pages, but I actually wrote 70-something. But they only read, the first, no matter what. As you know, they only read and mark the X amount. But, okay. but my le- from the beginning, my di- what's, what are they called? Is it your... Le- supervisor? That's it. My yeah. supervisor was like, I would advise you to write the full script rather than only write a bit of it, because mm-hmm. or write up to that page, because it won't work if you don't. Because it's a script, it's a story. Yeah. And I think, funny enough, touching on dissertations as well, I feel like... With one of my previous guests, Lily, she yeah. she turns her final year project into her actual venture, what she does right now. Yeah. So her final year project was a magazine, which mm. was called Viper. Yeah. I think, what was it, like three to four years down the line, yeah. that final project manifested into what she does right now. Mm. And I was also, it's like, I come across all these examples. Where my final year project got bought. This is it. See, <laughs> and it's funny that you said that. I'm yeah. glad that you said that. Because yeah. I feel like some people really undermine... The power of a dissertation. A, the power mm. of the dissertation mm. and actually the university experience. And it's yeah. only on reflection that I actually start to realise that your final mm. year project mm. can be um, your springboard. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, like, I fully get why people wouldn't... Because, you know, yes, it was a springboard for me, but one, I didn't write it thinking that. Yeah. And number two, you have to remember, even when you think of the age I was, so my final year project would have been what? 2021? No. No, like 23, 24. Really? Yeah, think about it. Because I left Bruno at 20. And so my final year... Oh, it's four years. Yeah. So I'd have been 23, 24. So I mean, and also, again, it was a sec- whereas Bruno, I lived my best life. My second degree, I'm just there to get a degree. Like, yeah. I didn't socialise. As in, I was cool with my classmates and stuff. Mm. But I'm here literally getting, get out, do my degree. And I'm not here for the university lifestyle because I've lived that. So I think... You know, as much as I can say that, I, I think I don't blame them. But, you know, one of my things, one of my friend's cousins, he did, like, chemical engineering or whatever, and Shell bought his final year project. And I remember hearing that. I'm just like, that is mad. Like, Shell bought Listen, your Listen, dissertations, get, no, no, dissertations yeah. get bought out here. Yeah, that's mad. But then imagine, yeah. like, if we had that sort of, like, A, knowledge given to us and that practical mm-hmm. advice given yeah. to us at our age. Because think about yeah. it, even when we do our final dissertation, when most of us... Are twenty twenty one? Yeah. If we do our undergrad and whatnot, yeah. and imagine you just had someone older at that time saying, "Look," and that's what would help the older person. That would help that older so person much. and just saying, "Look, your final year project. Yes, it's there to get a grade, and it plays mm. a large part in attaining your degree. Mm. But if you actually are interested about what you're doing, this can actually be the most formative part in giving mm. you a springboard to mm. then a get bought." Yeah, becoming something that you revisit three, four years down the line. Yeah. Or otherwise, I remember even coming across um, what, an investor where he said that 
people, um, he basically bought a company where these university students had um, made a final year project which was good enough for him to invest something like 10 million into. That's crazy. And it just goes to show you that, that sometimes we undermine our university experience, particularly the dissertation process, yeah. where we don't give it our own. We just do, not to make, make reference to a Twitter phrase, but the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. We do the bare minimum yeah, yeah. just to not get me, by. But yeah, but people do. Yeah. I was hurt when I didn't get a first final dissertation. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I had, this is it. Yeah, I had two final year projects there. And one what I annoyed me yeah. is that I helped one girl with her diso and yeah. she got the same grade as me. But I helped her bang out a diso in two days and I was working uh, on mine over like four so, Yeah, that's mad. That's mad. And I was like, life is hard. She was weird. I always think that like, it'd be, I want, I mean, you know, not that this should be a factor, but I wonder how we would get marked differently if they knew how much or how little work, or not even work actually, it's time time we put into it but it'd be unfair to do that because it's unfair to say that because it's the end result they're looking yeah, for it's exactly about the process. yeah and i think that's a lot yeah. of things that people when they look at yeah. bodies of work yeah. they don't look at the and process. also some people work better under that pressure rather than doing it's it true. over three four months i've got that quote for you by the way i don't remember what the reference was but the quote is and it's been my on my personal email it's been my signature for maybe up to 10 years yeah it's i don't wait for moods you accomplish nothing if you do that. You, your mind must know it has got to get down to work. Like that's me. Like, okay, say that one more time. Just one cool. more time. I don't wait for moods. You accomplish nothing if you do that. Your mind must know it has to get down to work. So it's mind over mind over mood essentially. This is it. So I know the reason why I said it was your whole when you're talking about the um, the like this is how many days I've got to do my dissertation. Yeah. Therefore, this is how many days I've got to do words. Some people will be like, oh, I, I'm not in the mood. I, not, mm. not to paraphrase that, the quote, but I'm not in the mood or I can't be bothered. I don't feel like it today. You know, for me, I, listen, I don't care. Like, if I know I've got a right, I've got a right. Like, as in, it's not an option. Like, there are days when I've had to drag it out of myself, but it's pure and simply because I told myself I'm going to do this many days today, um, these many words today, because there will be a time in the future when I've got a deadline. What am I going to say? I can't be bothered. I'm not in the mood. I guess it's like almost treating your passion like a job. It is a job. I love it to bits and yeah. I feel very blessed and very lucky and fortunate that it, it, you know, it does what it does. But it is a job. Like you're cheating yourself if you don't treat it like a job. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Because I think a lot of people go in reference yeah. to your moods. So often you hear, yeah. oh, I'm not in the mood or... Yeah. I'm not in the right headspace and yeah. I've been culpable of doing the same as well. And yeah. I think sometimes, yes, we should pay mind to our our well-being, our mental mm. health and a lot of these things. But sometimes you just have to persevere and mm. actually just get it done. Because even when you look at what you wrote in that negative space that your mood was in, yeah. sometimes that can give the greatest inspiration so that when you are in the better space, you can then leverage that negative space because... Mm. I've noticed that a lot of people, ironically, gravitate or feel the most or resonate the most when you are in a negative space. People like happiness and people like positive stuff, but when it comes to quality quality bodies of work, especially on a creative front, I think is when we tap into those those spaces which you know tap tap into our anxiety, tap into our mm. depression, tap into our fears, <laughs> our doubts, and everything it humanises the creative struggle. Yeah. And I think sometimes that, even if we were to document that at that time itself mm. and then revisit it, it does paint a, a much vivid picture. And it'll be something that we touch on later because there's one yeah. body of work I'm going to ask you about. <laughs> but from writing 
your dissertation and uni being finished now, yeah. what happened thereafter? Ooh. Because you did, like, you, yeah. going back onto the, the original plan A, which yeah. was international politics yeah. or international relations, and um, then going into law and then just living the, the traditional conservative life yeah. and whatnot. Now, English and writing are an, a somewhat unconventional career route, yeah. which you don't know if it's going to go left or right. Mm-hmm. So what came for you and what was your plan then? Cool. My plan of reality is so different. But my, my plan was, I was like, cool, so um, four years, been writing, both as a degree as well as making my headway outside of my degree. And I'm like, you know, had the luxury or, and the privilege of still living at my mum's house. So I was like, when my degree's done, I'm going to do as I've done for my final year, which is I'm just going to stay writing. I'm going to focus on writing. You know, there's, there was that feeling of like, I feel like I'm getting closer. So my plan was actually to start creating Blue Balls. By the end of that year, which was 2015, I wanted to put on a full-length production of one of my plays and just keep chasing it. Because I'm like, you know, it's, that, it's weird because you feel like it's close. And, you know, it, and I don't think it will ever stop feeling like it's close until it's there. But I was like, I'm not going to work. I'm going to keep focusing on this thing because I'm onto something. And, and, and so with Creative Blue Ball specifically, I'm like, well, at the very minimum, yeah, I can keep being close but struggling. But if I start this company, I'll be close and I'll be comfortable. Comfortable isn't a word, but there'll be an income from it where I can sustain off of it. Mm. So that was the plan. So, and I was like, I'm not under pressure because I'm living in my mum's house because I've got that privilege. I'm not under that pressure to pay actual rent. I'm not under that pressure to have to buy... You know, my, you know, like, yes, I, I actually would buy a lot of my own food and, and whatever because I'm a picky eater. But let's say one day I'm too broke to buy food, there is eggs and Gary and cereal in the house. Like, listen, I love Gary. I bang out Gary. Oh, I don't anymore because I don't keep it in my own house. But, you know, when I listen to my house, I'll keep Gary three times a day. So, you know, it's those comforts which... So that was the plan. The reality was... um it was a fucking car crash. It was a car crash. Um, me and my mum, you know, and it'd been coming. It'd been coming for a good few years. And it's weird. It, it'd been coming for a number of reasons, but one of them is that, you know, it's easy to say you're fine with something, but the reality of it can often be different. Yeah. You know, so the reality of me making that decision, which is a wholly selfish decision, which I'm unapologetic about, so making that decision to drop out and, and the effects it has on maybe what my mum had been thinking was going to happen in terms of, oh, he's going to be earning this and it'll support the family. Mm-hmm. Again, single-parent family. And the tension it causes and the stuff like that. And, and you yeah, in my head, I get why I'm doing what I'm doing and all of that, but it's hard for someone else who doesn't get it. And and similarly, again, because of the nature of what I do, I sit in my room all day on my laptop. So you get the lines like, all you do is sit in your room on your laptop. What do you actually do? But I, you know, and so it, and it just completely boiled over not actually because of that that was one layer of it it was actually because of um yeah it was just it was just you know i guess differences between two adults that you know there's a saying in yoruba and i can't remember i can't remember to say the yoruba version but in english it translates loosely as they're um a, i think it's something like a body can't have two heads mm-hmm. and that you know, or maybe it's a house can't have two heads and that's it like me and mom we can't both be the head of the house it, like it's her house so if I'm all like, you know, if I can't get with it, then get out. It's as simple as that. And, and you know, even though there's a lot that I would criticise about 
that and and you know to this day I, I don't feel like I'm wrong in how but it came to a point where I just there was a lot of stuff with the way my mum was living that I just wasn't here for and it wasn't about how it was affecting me because I'm I'm cool I'm an adult like my my attitude to it was literally if you don't like it you can leave so but you left. but it wasn't a, but that wasn't why it was about no it wasn't that I left I stayed and just kept accepting it but when it was affecting my sisters the things that I didn't like which I could accept but I could see the effect it was having on my sisters. That's when I spoke out. I'm like, you can't keep living like this. It's not cool. You have two young daughters in the house, blah, blah, blah. And World War Three, And and so spent over a year couch surfing. Like, you know, my life was upside down. Like, you know, again, it's it takes going through it and being beyond it to reflect in hindsight and realising that it was depression that I was going through as a consequence. Because everything, you know, this is meant to be the next step for me where I finished. Because literally, so... My last lecture was, or last whatever uni related, was early June, like June 1st or 2nd, mm. whatever. My birthday's June the 7th. The day I got, effectively got kicked out, June the 27th. My little sister's birthday as well. Wow. Like, it was mental. And up until June 27th, 2015, and it wasn't until October 20. 16 where I was finally settled where I moved into somewhere where I was staying and even that wasn't settled as such but it was something like that was one of my dopest friends on the planet who doesn't live in the country but her and her siblings are in the house and my friend was like yo Abe I can't believe I've never said this to you why don't you just go live in my house you don't have to pay rent you just have to pay bills like you know and you're good and and so and she said that to me at the start of 2016 but I didn't do it till October because I wanted to I didn't, as much as I wasn't even having to pay that much, I was still scared that I wouldn't be able to do it. So I was like, let me get to a place where I know okay, I can keep this up every month. And it's yeah. only, so now I think I've only finally fully felt settled this year, like October when I finally moved into the place I'm living now, where I am paying proper rent and proper bills and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it, you know, the, the plan and what actually happened did not go to plan. And so I spent six months depressed. Again, I didn't realise I was depressed at the time, but spent, you know, it was, it was a flipping spiral and it took... It took getting fired from a job to and opening up to my manager and him just being like, I wish you told me this stuff. Because their thing was like, the person we saw in the interview was not the person who worked for us. They're two different people. Yeah. And to the point where they were just confused, like they didn't get it. And it's because I was just going through all this madness in my head and just... I was just living day to day, like, yo, wake up and survive. And that's it. I, did, I barely wrote anything. That, in fact, no, I didn't write for six months. I didn't write anything for six months. And yeah, yeah, it was mad. It was mad. Yeah, that's, it was mad. That is a lot. Yeah, it was I a think lot. To go through, I think when you leave university, you have this kind of euphoric energy yeah. where you feel like everything is going to go accordingly to plan because that is what you've been sold. Yeah. Um, even myself, like yeah. third year for me was a madness. Yeah. Now, to, to to I guess to draw a parallel, I went yeah. through a unsavory situation yeah. and a a situation which had a knock on effect on my mental health. Yeah, a lot of relationships around me. Mm. I love how you're assuming I'm not drinking straight. By the way. <laughs> uh, listen, if you want to drink straight, no, possible, you know, but not too much. At the same time, but <laughs> listen, it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone can, everyone has their, has their, has their <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was like, and then I left university, and I think for me it was a bit different, yeah, because I was so looking forward to leaving university and having 
my plan come into fruition. But where mm. third year derailed me, I left university with a very negative spiral. Yeah. I thought that I was going to, I was, I was trying to catch up again, get back on the horse, as they say. Mm. You know, because the expectation was always, oh, Cherry's going to be cool. He's going to hit the heights. He's yeah. going to be a millionaire by 21 and yeah. this, that and the third. That, just to, I mean, obviously you're the one interviewing me, but just to come on to that, that feeling is nuts, right? Like, the, like people, because I, I, that's me. Like, everyone, yeah. like, my friends don't worry about me. Yeah. For better, for worse, my friends don't worry about Still me. Still to this day, they yeah. don't worry. Yeah. And I think sometimes that lack of worry can scare yeah. you because it makes you feel you have this complex. Yeah. I'm not too sure if it's an inferiority complex, but at the same time, it leaves a lot of room for doubt. Because that expectation creates such a gap between who you are currently and where everybody foresees you to be. And because there's such a big gap between that, it breeds room for that doubt to move. Mm. And you never know where it's going to move to. And it's when you start to narrow that gap between where you are and that expectation, that doubt no longer has that space to move. Yeah. But it's crazy that your post-university experience went from a plan to a reality, and that reality was an uncomfortable one. <laughs> and I think that is a lot of things that a lot of people do go through, yeah. but we put on the facade, we put on the clown mask, mm. and we just survive until we yeah. reach that point. Some people call it, you know, post-grad blues, but sometimes it's gone post- Mine was beyond that to so many it levels. It goes past like, post-grad blues and where it's you know the case. One of my key things was that I never realised how much I appreciated my own space until uh, I didn't have my own space. Like, me. listen, like, you know, something as basic as just wanting to, at, from like 9pm or 10pm, just wanting to sit there in your room and just watch shows or yeah. films or whatever. And actually, no, you can't because you're sleeping in the living room, which is the communal space for everyone. Mm-hmm. And you have, and even, you know, and don't get me wrong, the joke is where all the places I stayed were amazing. Like, my friends have just, you know how I feel about like my friends and my rocks in. And if I'd asked, like, oh, I kind of want to sleep. Like, people would have done it comfortably, but you don't want to do that to anyone. You're in there, you yeah. know, like, it's, oh, man, yeah. It, like, I never realised how much, and even now that I'm in my place where I love my room, like, I love, my room is... Yeah, again, I've I've also realised how much I love having a big room. Like, you know, so in, in house hunting and stuff like that, like, I'm like, yo, how much floor space do I have? And I'm not, I'm not doing gymnastics on the floor or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. But it's just having that space where I don't feel... Isolated isn't even the word, like, tight. Where yeah, just, you don't want to yeah. have that cabin fever. Yeah, that's it. That's a perfect yeah. way to describe you it. You just don't want to have that cabin fever. Yeah. So you've kind of gone from... So moving out, well, yeah. let's say getting kicked out, to yeah. be fair, yeah. and couch surfing. Yeah. And I think there's a theme that, that transpires from the beginning of your journey to now, which is your friends. Yeah. And you've always spoken very highly of your friends. And it seems like through every step of the way, your friends have helped you yeah. in some aspect or another. Touch on your friends and like your friendships and like what your friendships mean to you because I think yeah. sometimes that's an area where mm. you hear this 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 narrative of like yeah. no new friends mm. and ah oh, I'm dropping somebody out this I'm year. I'm gonna quickly dispel that one now because I've All got this even this year I've made friends or friendships have become incredibly stronger like that have, have not been much before and so I'm no new friends I don't subscribe to it like. You know, but I mean, I get the sentiment though, because at the same time, listen, when I blow, like, yeah, you, I'm going to be vigilant. Like, I'm yeah. going to be vigilant in terms of like, yo, who's trying, because that's the sentiment I take from the oh, song. Oh yeah, no, undeniably. But my friends are, 
Like, I could record a whole episode just talking about my friends. Like, they've been... Yeah, one, it's weird, because the irony of it is that homelessness has always been something I've been passionate about. Always, like, from day one. And, and growing up, one of the things I was always so appreciative, which probably made me more compassionate to homeless people, in fact, there was a book I read when I was younger called Stone Cold. I read it in secondary school as part of the curriculum. I can't remember the name of the author, but brilliant book. It's about homelessness from two... No, it's about homelessness, but the book is told in two different perspectives. Mm-hmm really really good book and actually because you know i work in schools i saw the kids reading it once and i was actually able to i was covering windows let me see the the covers like that that's probably a new cover but i'm pretty sure that's the right book what does it say like stone cold is a realistic young adult novel by some published yeah that sounds right first person narrative switches between link yep 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 link yep that's it cool so and for me, like, that book was one of the like, definitive moments for me about learning about homelessness and like, it's not this whole thing which we assume it's, or which much of society assumes it to be. But I'm going off topic, but my friends, like, I always said that the one thing I'm sure of is that I can never end up homeless because my people are my people, like, this and is have it. always been my people. So they've been, but it made me more compassionate because there are people who don't have that. Mm-hmm. But my friends have just been everything, like, they've, they've supported me in a million ways. Like, I don't... Eat, and, and it's different friends. It's not like it's the same friends for everything, but, like, you know, you you might... You know, there's so many different ways. Like, whether it... I don't even know where to start. Like, it's like, I want to give an example, and I'm like, but that isn't even a big deal compared to other things. But, you know, whether it's been... Whether it's been financially, whether it's been my friend who was like, go live in my house and you don't have to pay rent. Like, are you nuts in this economy? Where... <laughs> where rent is such like you know because they own there's four of them siblings they own the house mm-hmm. like you know and you just let me go live there for free like whether it's that whether it's whether it's you know whether it's just the understanding and compassion of understanding that this is where I'm at with life and this is what this thing the, this thing being writing what it requires of me and, and just the understanding and like you know there's you know uh, there's a few gestures in my life which have been incredible like one is I think it was last year where it was one of my two of my friends' birthdays. One is twenty five, one is thirty, and their birthdays the same day. And my friends were going Budapest on holiday, and I didn't go because I just had to wait up. I was like, "Listen, I can't afford to do this." Because so, on top of how much it will cost, which wasn't so much the big deal, it's that I'm also missing X amount of days of work, mm. and it's it's akin to contracting. You don't work, you don't get paid. Yeah, I can't do this. I'm losing out and spending. I cannot afford to make this decision, and. On the so let's say their birthday is I don't know the thirty first, but in fact it's the eighth because I know they'll listen and they'll cuss me because I don't remember it. <laughs> and the joke is if it's the ninth, I'm gonna cry. Let's say their <laughs> birthday is the eighth. On the seventh, my boy mess. No, I feel like I'm wrong. You know. Okay, whatever. We'll see what happens. You gotta live with it. <laughs> yeah, live with it. Fine. There we go. We live. We live. Um, and on the seventh, my friend messages me not the one whose birthday is like abe you should really be like they've been in Budapest now for like three days abe you should really be there I was like, yeah i know but what can you do like one thing i with me is that i'm comfortable with sacrifice like i'm so at peace with all the flipping sacrifices that i've had to make for writing like i'm a, you, you can't rattle me when it comes to that because i've i've been like i've made sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice like it's just a norm now yeah and so he's like hey you should be here but i was like yeah he's like come on even just for one day just so you could be here for midnight but I'm like, no man i can't like he's like what's stopping me i was like listen i can't afford to spend this money and say he's like listen just one day just one like proper and he was like just think about it please and i'm like okay fine i'll think about it next minute he's like check your emails don't miss your flight pay for my flight wow pay for my flight to come to budapest i'm like sorry what 
I'm like, I don't even have my passport in me. I was like, I don't care. Figure it out. Like, figure out how you're going to... Your flight's at this time. Figure <laughs> out how you're going to make it. Thankfully, working in schools, man, I was done it free. Yes. Like, in fact, that day I got lucky. Go back after lunch and it turns out there isn't a final lesson for me to cover. So I had even more time to just mm. do everything on time. And I was living in West London, so it was easy to get to Heathrow and... But yeah, like, you know, they've just been there for me in so many different ways, whether it's been an ear, whether it's been a couch, whether it's been just encouragement, whether it's checking in on me, whether it's another amazing gesture. My goodness. <sighs> I love Kanye and Jay-Z, you know this. Yep. And, you, and now you should know where the story's going. I've, I went to watch the friend twice, once in London, once in... Um, Paris? Paris. They're yeah. both presents. They were both presents. And sure, one of both of these stories actually are good factors as to not to say I'm a good person, but why it's good to be a good person. The reasons why both their different friends brought them for me, one of them was, I think, so Paris was Gabs. And Gabs was like, yo, it just wouldn't feel right going to watch the friend in Paris without you. Like, Gabs is first, like, I'm a concert junkie. I've been going since I was 16 when I went to Kanye's first concert. Mm -hmm. Gabs' first concert was in first year of uni when we went to watch Shea at Alexandra Palace. And I was the one who got into him like, Gabs, we need to go see yeah, this. Like, yes. we need to go. Yeah, like, proper put that pressure on it. And since then, I've been to so many concerts. I think almost every Jay-Z concert I've been to, bar one in that time, whether it's a concert or it's a festival, I've done with Gabs. And Gabs is like, no, how can you not live this experience with me? Like, this is mad. Like, watch your friend in Paris. Similarly... My watch the throne in London was my my boy Armadi who got me a watch the throne. Like you know, again, my first ever concert was with Armadi when we went to see Kanye. Like so, you know, and I you know not that I'm here to kind of praise myself, but there's been moments when I've done things like that for people. Like I'm listen, I'm here for two things in life: experiences and convenience. Like that's how that's what dictates everything. Like I want to be happy and have a great time, and everything needs to be convenient. So and I you know, again, like, I remember there was a time I went on holiday with one of my friends and. He wasn't gonna come because he, you know, he was broke. So we'd we'd pay for everything in the hotel. He's like, oh, man, I'm not gonna have it. I'm like, are you dumb? Like, what do you mean? You've got friends and you're telling me you're not gonna come. Like, like we're gonna let you starve and not drink and not, you know, what is that? Like, but that's... this is what I don't get. Like, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a common story to interject, mm. but I noticed this like with a lot of, mm. well, not with a lot, but I've noticed yeah. it with some friendship circles and with some notable people where mm. they don't have this element of community among their yeah. friends yeah no man my Where friends listen and i think it's like yeah. you know how they say what's it um it takes a village to raise a child kind yeah. of thing but sometimes i love that it saying takes, it's one of my favorites because it's true but it's like at the same time it takes a community yeah. for a person to succeed. Yeah. And it's the same case where your yeah. friends are your community. Yeah. No. And I think I've noticed that as like a, a very regular theme throughout your endeavors. Yeah. Which touches on my next point, which yeah. is I have to say one more thing before you even go on. Like, cause that it takes a community to raise a child thing is so important. And and I have to touch on like the very last gesture, which the most recent gesture, which was last night, where my my youngest sister, so one of them's ten and one's thirteen, and I might as well be their dad. And my youngest one calls me like in this is like nearly midnight, calls mm. me in tears. And my phone's ringing. I'm thinking, I almost didn't pick up because I'm like, why are you calling me at this time? Like, yeah, I know you're on school holiday, so you're not sleeping at a normal time. But why are you actually calling me? Like, mm. leave me alone. Like, I can't. But I picked it up, and the youngest one is just in tears, and I won't go into why. And I'm I live in East London. I'm like, well, I'm not coming to see you. But it was peak, like to the point where I'm like. What am I going to do? And I phoned my best friend 
And they was like, cool, I'm going to go drive to your house and talk to your sisters and sort it out. Like, they basically had a fight or whatever. And, like, you see him? Like, that guy, like, he's, like, listen, my, even, and I'm sorry for baiting him up with, like, the things he does. Like, listen, my boy, he will, every year without fail, he takes Christmas presents for my mum and my sisters. Like, yeah. every year without fail. Even the year when me and my mum weren't talking, where I was staying, it took presents. My mum called me a couple of days ago. She was like, Listen, like Aaron came round, he dropped it, dropped some presents for me again. Like, just tell him, like, you know, like, listen, like, he is family, like, he is well and truly above. And it's weird because we were talking, I was just like, kind of feeling guilty. He was like, but he was like, you're saying that, but yeah, we were, I was basically saying, like, right, you do all of this and I don't do nothing for you. He was like, yeah, but he's like, do you know how much you communicate with my family? As in me to his. He was like, you're so deaf from his younger brother. You know, I'm, like, I love it. His younger brother is my little brother. Similarly, his elder sister, like, we have such a great relationship. Like, she might be my big sister. Similarly, I love his mum to bits. So he's like, listen, like, you know, there isn't only one set way, which is the perfect example of describing my friends. Like, everyone does different things in different yeah. ways. Like, it may be support. It may be, you know, I've got friends who have, you know, I remember when I was going through the mailing list, the Creative Blue Ball mailing list, and I can see what it was that people signed up for, like, what thing. And then I clocked that certain people have been to every single thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, that's mad. You've actually been to everything I've like. Literally everything. There isn't a single one they've missed. Like, one of my friends missed her first one in the one that just happened. She bought a ticket and it was work that held her mm. back. She, like, and it's weird because originally she wasn't gone. Like, she, she told me she couldn't come. And then she tried to come. And like, when she said she couldn't come, I just said, yeah, that's cool. Like, I'm not, because you don't even, there, there was a reason and I didn't know it. But I'm like, I don't need a reason from you because I know that when you can, you do. And that's it. That like. is it. And I think it's, it's touching on that point where there's going to be two things. That mm. One thing I'll touch on before mm. I move on to the next aspect, but it's that, that element of people thinking that they must give in return because yeah. how are they receive. Yeah. And I've had that same battle with my own friends yeah. and even relationships where yeah. I am a practical person, mm. where I will give in a very practical way. Mm. You know, you come to me with a problem, Eight out of ten times, I'll be able to solve it. Mm. Especially because if it's on a practical front, on a career front, on a technological front, or on a financial front. Yeah. But they feel obliged that they're not able to do the, re the return to me. Mm. But what I have to always remind them of is it's those intangibles. Mm. It's those qualitative and those softer skills that are not, aren't easily accessible to many people, that attentive mm. ear being able to open up your family to me. Like, mm. I am an only child. Yeah. Where I don't have siblings, but a lot of my friends' siblings are my siblings. Yeah. I am, for me, the biggest the biggest role any person that can play in your life is a mother. And my friends' mothers are now my mothers. Yeah. And the way that, say, for example, I'll give you an example where my mum went on holiday and so did my grandmother. So... My two supplies for food went out the window. Now, I can cook, but I'm just lazy. Yeah. Right? Listen, join the club, man. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm lazy, but at the same time... time. It's time. That's it. It's time. Not only... And it's annoying. Not only is it time, by the time you're done cooking, you don't even want to flip and eat it. No, nah, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. No, I will yeah. eat it, but as in my enthusiasm has gone. Yeah. 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 Like, and it's like, <laughs> for them, it's like, my friends' mums will know that mm. and they'll be like, come, mm. here's a care package. Here's this, that, and the other. Yeah, and pick up the care package, man. you got, you got yeah. to have the pair care package. And it's like, I'm thinking, you may not have done something for me, but someone yeah. that is associated with you yeah. has done something for me and I yeah. wouldn't have access to that person if it wasn't for you. Yeah. And I think sometimes we do need to give appreciation, not for like, for like, but, you know, whatever our strengths are, especially within our friendship circles. And it's, mm. it's so enriching to hear you speak so fondly about 
your friends because mm. I think they are the linchpin to a lot of our endeavors. Yeah, like, sure. I always say my, one of my greatest fears in life, one of my greatest fears is that I fear dying or my friends dying without me having had that moment to appreciate them. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm terrified of that. Like One thing I do a lot yeah. more now is that I, I try to show my appreciation yeah. a lot more, even if yeah. it's just through... Like, what I'll mm. do randomly is I'll maybe I'll just buy them a gift. Mm. Or even just, like, a thing where, say, mm. come to my house, mm. you know, grab a takeaway, yeah. my treat. Just, yeah. like, something that allows them to know that this friendship mm. is not on the basis of what do you want? Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. Like, there is a time for us to just appreciate who we yeah. are as people. And I think a lot of people have this gripe with their friendship mm. circles. And I had the same gripe with a few of my friends where I felt like they only holler me when they need something. Mm. But sometimes that's okay. Yeah. It, and it's such a, it's weird because that's such a fine line to navigate because it is a very I'm fine so line. cool with that. But I know there have been instances where I haven't been cool with it. Like yeah. I'm cool with you hollering when you need to, like that's fine. But there's a time when, there, there have been times where someone's done, I'm like, yo, like that's not cool. But it's, it's a tough one. It's really, it's really tough, hard like, because I can't tell you. I mean, I could tell you in the specific situations why it was and wasn't cool, yeah. but I couldn't tell you a rule where this is when it will be cool and when it wouldn't. Like, I just think in the moment, I guess you know when it's taking the piss. You can tell piss. by like sentiment, you know, the long haul of the behavior. There's mm. so many things you can you can you can take into and account. also the way you go about it because I don't like I don't like when you do that. Like, just hey, how yeah. are you? Oh, listen, you anyway, can you um, can fully skip that and say to me, "Yo, Abe." Can I would you, much rather prefer that. Listen, I ain't got time. Like, I actually don't have time anyway for it to... Like, when the spills... Like, do you know what? I, I actually deleted someone off Facebook, and I'm not that person who deletes or blocks yeah. people. I did it recently, where they hollered me under, like, a guise and as if they were interested in what was going on with my work. And the thing with me, you know me, I'm detailed. Mm -hmm. Like, if you ask me how... I will answer you properly. Mm -hmm. And then I give this proper answer, and he pretty much is just like, oh, that's cool, and then gets on to what he's saying. And that's it, I deleted them because I'm like, you could have you could have fully actually said what you wanted to come for. And I may not have responded, I may have ignored it or whatever, or I may have either way, you meant but it would I would have been cool with it. But when like I was almost hurt, I'm not gonna lie, I was hurt Ooh. that I actually believed you cared and you really didn't. You were just doing the same BS you do. Like when we've never been and then it was even the thing which he was trying to holler at me about where he made it seem as if he was coming on a friendship. And I'm thinking, we've it, a good example of what it was, <laughs> it would be like you hollering at me about, um, oh, hey, we should get into Bitcoin. But we're boys, so that's cool. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're not, like, as in, I would even trust you because you're my boy. You're not my friend. It wasn't Bitcoin or anything like that, but that's just a good example. <laughs> you, you're not this person to me to, like, oh, I thought this might interest you. But no, there's... Number one, there's definitely something for you to gain in this thing. And it wasn't even ACN either. But it's that kind of vibe. <laughs> but it's that kind of vibe where I'm just like, piss off. Like, we've never had a conversation for you. Because if we had, for starters, you would know I'm not the one. I'm not the one for you to come to with that. Because I would, you know, I don't have time or energy for most of these things. But I'm just going to get myself a financial advisor and hope they put my money in the right place. Because I don't have the energy or capacity to stress over anything but writing. I think well, a lot of times it's like touching on that, but I've had that, yeah. that similar battle recently, I guess when you know when you say that people holler you yeah. and they don't, they have this guise, but yeah. at the same time they show a fake interest. Yeah. You don't care. Say it on your chest. For me, <laughs> I, what I've realised as of recently yeah. is that a lot of people will holler me wanting an insight into something. Mm. Like there was a good week or two where people were just coming to me saying, how do you start a podcast? Yeah. Where this do setup you... is lit, by the way. 
Thanks, man. <laughs> Set up is lit. Like, how do you start a podcast? Where do you get your merch made? It was like all these very specific questions, which mm. are very valuable, which have very valuable answers. And I'm mm. like, have you attended one of my events? Mm. Have you bought any of my merch to mm. ask about where I got my merch made? Mm. Like, have you done anything to let me know that you mm. actually fuck with me? Yeah. For me to yeah. like, and I'm, even and even forget those things which are tangible and have valid excuses yeah, and someone yeah. gives it. Even as simple as have you actually acknowledged it? Whether it's like mm. a message like, yo, I see what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know. You know. That's all it is. I'm not looking for yeah. you to, to, to part. Like, it never has to always be financially yeah. that you have to part into support yeah. what I do. It can be the most nominal thing. But if I can see a sense of engagement with yeah. what I'm doing and I can see that there's yeah. an, a genuine credibility in yeah. you actually supporting what I do. Yeah. Listen, I've never tried to hoard information in my yeah. life. But mm. it does grab me. And it's something that I'm trying to overcome as a personal area, which is like, when people hollow you for something mm. which is valuable to them, should you freely give it to them or should you be a little arsehole and say, do you know what? I don't know. And I think that is what I'm coming to terms with yeah. now as of recently. But moving on to the next aspect, touching on friends, I think one thing that I've noticed which is quite common with a lot of things that you do mm. is crowdfunding. Yeah. And I think... It's so funny you say that because I hate crowdfunding, but, but you could no, argue that some of the things I've done are crowdfunding, yeah. Not only that, but... No, you have done crowdfunding. Yeah. Point blank, period. I yeah. think with a lot of your endeavours and the way even people support you yeah. is an element of crowdfunding because... Yeah, that's what I was referring yeah. Yeah, because you've reached out to your core base, which is yeah. your friends, and every time I've come to one of your things, it's sold out. Every time I've come to it, it's a, it's a full house. And I think it may be a case where 60 to 70% of them may be friends, but that is always bodes as a good sign. But how has the whole crowdfunding experience been for you? Like, mm -hmm. you reaching out to people to ask, can you contribute? Yeah. So I think, I think, firstly, we should probably split it up in terms of... Because I think, I guess, anything I've... Yeah, let's split it up into two separate things, which they both count as crowdfunding, but just so that, I guess, whoever's listening knows. Yeah. So you have your traditional crowdfunding, like my short film Closure, for example, was a form of crowdfunding. That was Closure, um, yeah. At the start of the year, the private project, which was the the play with the one that's set in America, yeah. where we're trying to raise funding to do the project for that, is crowdfunding. But then the showcases are, I on paper, they're not crowdfunding. But if you actually break it down, I guess it is because, yeah. but it's, because it, I, guess, I would say it's not crowdfunding. No, it still is, I guess. So for anyone who doesn't know... It's not conventional crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah, but so with my showcases, which I don't know if this will go until next year because my mentors are like literally on my back like, stop doing this, we're not having it. But as it stands, the way I've always... I've done the Creative Blue Ball showcases of my own writing. So my rule is it's with my writing that I'll do it. Is people pay what they want. And you did that first time round. And this year as well, both. Okay, maybe because I pay the same amount every year. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. it. And... Um, and so, yeah, I'm assuming that's what you're referring to, right? When you was a... Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, cool. yeah. So, I don't remember the question, but what was the question? Regarding? In terms of, like, how has your experience been with okay, crowdfunding? Okay, cool. And, like, okay, so I'll, I'll talk about the traditional one and the non-traditional. Yeah. So, the traditional, which was my short film, Stressful as Hell, I, as in Stressful as Hell, and I didn't want to do it. Like, it wasn't my choice, my decision. Uh, to be honest, it, at the point when it got proposed, it was too late. We'd gone too far, and I just had to get on board. Mm -hmm. But it was stressful because 
With me, one thing I can't do, I'm not here for public shame. I'm not here for public failure. I'm not here to public, like, people are like, oh, man, like, you didn't hit your target height. Yeah. And then get all those messages, people asking how I'm feeling. I'm yeah. not here for it. So that was stressful. And and it's weird because there were moments during that. Like, I remember there was one weekend I was on a way to a wedding and I was really annoyed with how little we'd raced. And I felt like the PR team just went on job. So to prove a point, I, I set a target for myself. This is a reoccurring theme for me, targets. Target. I was like, by the end of this weekend, I think we were on 300 at the beginning. I was like, by the end of this weekend, we're going to be in the grand. I, on, on the way to a wedding, in a car, stuck in traffic, I went through my entire phone book on my phone, sent a text message. Not just any text message. I started the text message with your name. So you can't tell me I broadcasted you. It may not, the, the body of it may, not, may be generic, but I have messaged you. It says your name, so you know I haven't sent this mm. to anyone else. On top of that, if I even, if we've, if we, if there's enough for me to know something personally, whether how's your daughter or how's your endeavor, or I do that, and and lo and behold, by the end of the weekend, we surpassed the grand. Like, but for me, that you know, it, I think, yeah, I think too many people go into crowdfunding with entitlement, where they think I'm entitled to. You know, people have to support me and guilt trip. And listen, I'm not here for the guilt trips. Like, I don't guilt trip anyone. I there's no malice, and when. If someone doesn't support me, like I'm not, I'm you not, won't hold it against. I'm them, not yeah. like I don't have time or energy for that. Like, mm. but yeah, that sense of crowdfunding was stressful because I'm just here like, yeah, I can't fail publicly. Which is why the one at the start of the year was a bit easier because in my eyes we did fail because we didn't hit our target and therefore that's why there hasn't been much about that project since. Although it's not dead and gone, like I am that project will come into fruition, but I'm just gonna need more time to you know maybe get funding or maybe a theatre to pick up on it or whatnot. But the public crowdfunding is stressful because I, I'm just thinking of failure. With the showcases, that one's more interesting because on both occasions there's been investors. Okay. Yeah, that one's more interesting. And and when I say investors, it's not investors who are in it for profit because if they're in it for profit, they'll never back it because it's pay what you want. Yeah. But it's people who at the very minimum want to make their money back. In fact, no, not even the very minimum. That's all they want. They're not asking for profit. Any profit. So they're but, in it for the creative pursuit, yeah. but at the same time, all I don't, they really you know, care is I'm not even going to lie. I don't think it's even. the creative pursuit. I think it's it's that they support what I'm doing. Okay. Like, yeah, like they, they, I mean, they like creative stuff, but put it this way, someone else could have approached them with the same thing and they wouldn't have done it. But it's because they believe in me and my vision yeah, and what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that one is stressful because I don't even know why I let it stress me. Do you, do you know why I let it stress me? It's because Without kind of being, you know, I don't think I had to word, word this, not in an arrogant way, but my fear is never that we won't sell out. Because if I'm being honest, the reason why I started Creative Blue Balls is because I've noticed a pattern, which is that anything that's been put on, not by me, by others, so whether it's my short film closure, the, the, you know, raising the funding for closure, doing that, the numbers come in and it's because people are interested in my work. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start this company where... I'm saying that hopefully people will come because they believe in me and what I'm doing. And hopefully I'll deliver, but regardless of whether I deliver or not, people, and that's why I go to investors with as well. And so my fear actually in this circle isn't that people won't, that we won't sell out, it's that what if everyone pays one pound? <laughs> if everyone pays one pound, I'm screwed because I haven't budgeted this for everyone to pay one pound. So the, it's true. Yeah, because the first one last year, that was audience of 300 over two nights. This year it was actually less, it was an audience of 200 and. Oh, so annoyed about that. There's an audience of 210 over three nights. So it's actually meant to be 240, but whatever. Um, but there's that fear of if everyone pays one pound, we are ruined. Like, we'd still put it on. 
but that's coming out of my pocket. Like, because that's it. It's because. But it's no risk, no reward. Yeah. Actually, that's a lie. It's, it's coming out of my pocket as well as the investors, I guess. But, yeah. but I don't ever want to be in that situation where an investor, you know, I don't go into it with them. Like, as much as there's always risk, I don't go into it saying to them, you might lose your money. As in, they know it's a, a reality, but that is, I'm never in there thinking that that could actually happen. Yeah, that's not yeah. a risk for you to highlight. Yeah. I realise when yeah. it's other people's money, yeah. it's not your job to mm. highlight. Well, It's for them to acknowledge it yeah, because it's, it's, it's unwritten. It, yeah. It's unwritten, but it's true. There, there's all, In anything risky, there's always money to be lost and you hope you don't. But. Even personally, like when you're dealing with risks and decisions you're making, yeah. I don't think, while you should maybe, in some respects, mm. if you're a pragmatist like me, mm. you weigh up the risk. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's less about acknowledging the risk, but mm. actually saying to yourself, Do you know what? Whatever happens, happens. Like mm. with a lot of things that I've done, um, not to take away from from what you're shedding light on, but yeah. it goes back to the example I was giving you earlier when we was talking um, off record. Yeah. If I say that I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Mm. Say, for example, it's making merch. Yeah. That merch may not sell. Yeah. I've taken a risk and the, the risk is that only one person may buy this. Yeah. But at the same time, I may have 99 yeah. jumpers that I've not been able to sell. Yeah. The worst case scenario, I just have to give that to charity yeah. or maybe sell it at a reduced cost or yeah. under unit cost. Yeah. And that, quite frankly, when it comes to money, my yeah. approach is I will always back myself to make money. Yeah. If there's one thing I know how to do in life is to be sarcastic yeah. and to make money. <laughs> Those are two things I yeah. am great at. So yeah. I will do those things with my eyes closed. And Joe, coming back to that thing as well about the whole loss thing, like, unfortunately, we are, I don't use the word conditioned, but unfortunately, because of the way society is, for us, we just think, yeah, if it loses money, then we've lost. And that's not the way to think of it. I, say, well, I mean, I can accept why people think of it like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm like, listen, with Creative Labels, whether I... So let's look at the two showcases that I did. So this year's one and last year's one. Yes, we profited on both of them, not by... In fact, that's no, we profited on the first one. This one took an L, but that's life. I know that the impact mm. of... So the one last year, my life has changed because of that one. Like, yeah. My life is in... I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but I've got commissions from it. Like yeah. from the production company that came to me who then got me to write something for TV. You know, like that happened because of that. Similarly, with this year's one, which was only three weeks ago, like I already know what is going on off the back of that. And so, yeah, cool. In in the space of five minutes, I've lost, you know, five minutes later, you've lost X amount. But in the long run, and I don't even consider it out because until I die, where the balance sheet isn't balanced anyway, it's until the end and they were like, well, are we in profit? Are we in green or are we in red? That's actually a really good way of looking at it. Isn't when I because this thing that even the L was voluntary was voluntary, which were others like, listen, I can either take the L on the company or I could so I had two options, which was that I said to the actors, um, at the very minimum I want to pay you guys expenses. I don't know how much that's good like yeah, you know, I don't know how much I'm gonna be able to pay you, but at the minimum I hope however much I pay you will cover you for expenses. When it came to a point of when lots of numbers realised how much I... I talked to Abby, my co-producer, like, Abby, this is how much we've got, this is how much I want to pay the actors. This is an amount which I'm happy to say, cool, we'll leave that down and I'll hold the L for now because in the future we'll make that money back and put it back in yeah, the back. Yeah. So that we can pay... And I could have I could have been... This is where the emotion comes into it, but I'm happy that I have a heart. I could have been a shrewd businessman and be like, no, 
because we only have X amount of profit, we, all of default are getting paid such a minimal, disrespectful amount. No, you perform for three nights and you rehearse for me. I will take that L and hold it now because in a day it's on credit, which is 0% interest for however many months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's hold it because we will make, in that time that we've got left to make it back, we will make it and more. And I now have, yeah. I think sometimes when we think of our Ls, we think of the immediate impact. Ooh. And I think sometimes the financial yeah. L takes precedent over the long-term return. Yeah. And it's something where I've always tried to say to others as well, where everything that I do doesn't come with a return. Yeah. And sometimes it's the impact. Yeah. Do you know what I rated, by the way? I rated that, um, and we haven't discussed it, but I rated that the last, not that I made it, unfortunately. Why didn't I make it, the last board event? Uh, press night at Rogue. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I rated is that, that you weren't charged, and that's, you weren't charging for tickets. No. And I'm like, listen, like, not every, like, it's funny, I tweeted something about this today, and it's not the same thing, but it's relevant. Listen, your hobby, yeah, yeah, you, it's not compulsory to do what you love. And by, when I say it's do, I don't mean actually doing it actively, I mean, Everyone attaches doing what you love to making money, but actually you can do it and this it just it. be a hobby. And it doesn't mean that you will be you'll be less world class at it. This is it. But it doesn't have to be about money. It's funny enough, like touching mm. on that, I tweeted a few days ago yeah. about removing the profit 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 that profit motive yeah. over what you want to do. Yeah. And when you do Listen, that your life becomes easier. Your life becomes way your easier. Your life becomes easier when you start and thinking about the money thing. Like, funny enough, you touching on the forty event yeah. where we did it for free. Yeah. Originally, we were going to charge for it. Yeah. And then we thought to ourselves, actually, this is because we had been quite cold yeah. on the events front for a while. We yeah. were like, you know what? Yeah. Let us use this as an opportunity to reinvigorate ourselves. Mm. Now, financially, yeah, we made a loss. Yeah. But it gave us momentum again. Yeah. And quite and frankly, if that's the price mm. I got to pay for momentum, yeah. something that you can't buy in the shop, yeah. something you can't buy from a person, yeah. so be it. And it's funny you say that because it was never my intention for the next Creative Blue Ball showcase to be my work. Like, it was always intended to be other writers' work. But because there was a loss of momentum, I was like, yo, we're going to have to just put my work on again. Yep. Because, uh, not again, because it was all new work. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, but, I, but there was meant to be work in between that. But I'm like, we actually can't confidently do this with other writers because the momentum's gone. So we're going to have to get momentum. And don't get me wrong, if I charged a fixed price, in my opinion, we would have still sold out and would have still, and yeah, and it would have been, would have probably made actually more money. But I was like, yo, let's get the momentum back so that then when it comes to the time where in, in 2018, when I'm commissioning new writers, they're gonna, they're gonna sell out as well, but it'll be the fixed price and the momentum would have still been there. Not only that, I think you change the proposition in itself where when you say to someone, I guess this is kind of like a Nipsey attitude yeah. and I'm a big Nipsey fan. Yeah where he has this kind of like proud to pay attitude yeah and it was a similar approach where he took it was like pay what you think is yeah respectable. it was my my mentors tell me off so much like my, one of my mentors a few about a month ago she was like you're not doing this anymore like you're not because she and her thing is like she's like i get your because i told her all the reasons why she was like you know my biggest reason for it is appreciation of my friends because yeah. i was like there's no creative blue balls without my friends mm -hmm. listen the mailing list is like 700 strong like you know it's it's a lot like and i'm like but I can believe that I can do this because people always back me. Like, you know, as you as you would have received, every time I do something, a week before the tickets go publicly mm -hmm. on sale, I will send that message just to my people and be like, yo, get your ticket. And don't get me wrong, only 5% of them even flip and do it on time. Some of them miss out and then I have to go through all the stress of getting them a ticket when they didn't do it on time. But um, for me, it's that factor. And 
Yeah, my mentor was like, she gave a good solution. And I d we'll see when that time comes, when it comes to doing another showcase of just my work. But she said that the solution is that either A, I do only one night, which is pay what you want, or B, I do a percentage of tickets, pay what you want. Um, Basically like a yeah. two-tier payment. Model. Yeah. And I think, but the, the actual aspect of being A, proud to mm. pay what yeah. you want. Sorry to cut you, I remember yeah. the point I was making. She, so her point that she was making was, she was like, you know, by saying pay what you want, people don't put a value on your work and you need to show that you value your work, you value what you do. That's yeah. one argument yeah. for it. So now I want to hear your counter. Yeah, yeah and the I think Nipsey, yeah. The returning in the sense is saying that I already value my work. Yeah. Now, I think what you saying as a proposition of pay what you want, mm. it allows you to qualify the perception of your work. Mm. And sometimes that becomes a good gauge because mm. granted it's very easy to say my product is worth £100. Mm. So therefore, if you pay £100, it's worth £100. Yeah. However, if you leave that proposition open mm. to who you're selling to, it gives you a perceptive value of what people gauge your work and the value of it is. Now, yeah. it doesn't mean that it's right. Oh, it's not and right. It does, If I put it, a price, it'll be mad. <laughs> of course, understandably yeah. so. But at the same time, it at least lets you know, A, what your demographic is able to give. Mm. And B, it will at least show you that, all right, cool, this is, it gives you a, a, a research point yeah, of a yeah. price point. Yeah. And I think that sometimes at least puts the, puts the onus onto the consumer, yeah. the purchaser to say, do you know what? I've got no expectation of you. Mm. And then I think even one of my boys who you um, kindly asked me to reach out to, he was like, mm. bro, how much, how much am I supposed to pay? Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm paying this amount. Yeah. You can pay whatever you want. And yeah. then he was like, oh, no, but I don't want to underpay. And I was like, yeah. and then it becomes a psychological yeah. game within their It's so head. funny you mentioned that. Like, there's people who who missed out on tickets, as in four intentions to come. And only the reason why they missed out on tickets was because, you know, they went to buy tickets and then they got on the page, everything mm. like, wait, how much do I pay? And then the time they spent thinking about that, not as in, and when I say time, I don't mean like five minutes. Like we're not on that level yet, wait. So I was like five minutes, yeah, yeah. but like they left it and left it, and they went back and tickets were sold out. And for me, listen, like there's very, I don't really think you can offend me with how much you pay. Like, and that's not telling anyone to pay a pound. Like, if any of my friends pay a pound, I'll hold them up. Like last year, two of my friends didn't. I refunded their tickets. I'm like, you're actually mugging me. But that, <laughs> but again, you're my, you're my guy. Like, so don't listen. You're being rude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> on a real, I'm like, because for me, it's that I don't know what your circumstances are, like, which is yeah. why it, why we have that in the first place. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You may want to support me and see my work, and and you know, you don't know how much it. Yeah, you know, so you just think, flip it. I just want to go, but I bet you, not, most. You know, if I was to go through the stats, and I haven't done it yet. I haven't gone through any of the numbers yet. But I reckon almost anyone who came last year that came again paid the same amount or more. Mm. Yeah, I had someone who came twice last year. He came on the first night. He might he won the ticket in a competition actually on a social media competition. Okay. The next day he messaged me like, "Bro, I really want to come again, please." Somehow I managed to get him a ticket. Go pay twenty pounds. Like, yeah, this is it. This is it. Like, yeah, and and so I, and I and, you know, ultimately like this this is about reaching out to more than just my friends because um which is why the pay why you like what you like works because it's hard to commit money to something. Especially, you know, this isn't a rave, for example. This is flipping oh, yeah, theatre. Like, this is, let's be real. Like, the majority of the demographic that I'm, the demographic that I'm both from and that I'm surrounded by, that I connect with, this is not their world. And yes, they will come see the work and hopefully think it's dope. 
But if they don't, if they can't see it, and then you have to remember, I don't even tell people what the scripts are called, let alone what it's mm. about, which is mad. I don't know why I still keep doing it, but I really enjoy it. No, I think it's, you know what, it's going back to a conversation that we had um, on Saturday, yeah. and this is going to date the whole conversation, but <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway, it was like, I was saying that you've actually opened up theatre, which is quite... It's funny, I was trying to remember who I had that conversation with, now yeah, I know who yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we were drunk that day. Yeah. Like, Sorry, so I'll drunk. give you a black. <laughs> but it was saying that like you've opened up theatre to a quite a wider audience. An mm. audience that doesn't necessarily get to experience A, short plays, B, B theatre. Yeah. And just that kind of environment where we either, most people from our backgrounds, either go to a rave and that's about it. Yeah. We don't actually mm. go to things that are... Oh, yeah. we may do. I'm mean, just not to typecast everyone. Yeah, but generally point, speaking, yeah. most people don't get yeah. an opportunity because once they think of theatre, they think of the Royal yeah. Albert Hall. Yeah. They may feel the Royal Court or these kind of grandesque venues which yeah, are... Which we don't see yourself in. We don't yeah. see yourself in. And it goes... And I think our conversation and sport... Just crazy. I still, when I go through it, I wear hoodies. Like. This is it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, I'm, and the one thing that I've always been thankful for is that when I actually do go to your um showcases mm -hmm. it's just seeing the wide variety of people and yeah. that's a testament of your character because you are quite quite wide reaching mm -hmm. and i guess it's like i remember it goes on to the conversation where you're saying that you was able to statistically or statistically <laughs> prove <laughs> statistically, <laughs> statistically approve big up big shack um big up michael daffer yeah, big up michael. that's it big yeah. up michael daffer man um to prove that you were able to reach out to an alternative, or not, I don't know why I'm saying alternative, but to a different audience. Yeah. And I think that is a real big testament to who you are. But going on from that, I think there's one work that I'm going to touch on. I'm always going to mispronounce it because I yeah, can never get it right. Fine. You mispronounce it, I'll correct it. Don't get me wrong, I mispronounce it for ages, so, so it's I, good. It's, I, I, these... Mad, mad. <laughs> cool, let me jump in. Jump I may in. still be pronouncing it wrong, and then we have to remember having lisp as well, which will probably make it. Yeah, but I'm, it's I'm, I'm Indian, so it's fine. <laughs> Dionysus. Dionysus. That's. But I, I used to think it was Dionysus, and then and then I. I don't know why I start know. with I always, but it's yeah. Dionysus. Yeah, Dionysus. Yeah. There was someone Greek who corrected me, and something yeah. Dionysus. Yeah. So now Dionysus was Dionysus uh, smile. Dionysus smile. Yeah. Dionysus smile. Do you remember the smile? I do remember yeah, the smile. The smile was important. <laughs> was a play that you put on at last year, so, yeah, so this June, is 2016. June 2016, day and after I, my birthday, aka your birthday. I came on the 8th of June, which yeah. is my birthday, and you hotted me up on that day. But it was a very compelling piece, and it's always been one that I've remembered. Mm. Now, I'll leave it to you in terms of shedding the backstory to it, but yeah. it was a piece that had a profound effect on me, mm. but I it even had a profound effect on... Um, um, who I attended the event with Dante. Yeah. Um, check out his podcast as well. Um, yeah. Don't be Dante. Yeah. You know, very dope episode. That episode was dope. That, I love that episode. I love that. Episode. But we both walked away from that, and we went to grab a meal, and we, that was the crux of our conversation and mm. kind of elaborating on what that piece meant to us. But I'll allow you to kind of explain what that piece meant, and I guess yeah. how it relates to you. Yeah. If it does. It's mad because I'm I. So to give context. I can't read that piece. Like, I fully cannot read that piece. It's a sit like, I would like to because I would like my memory to be slightly fresher and connect with what everyone else connected with. But it's, it's too, it it's too there for me. It's too close to my heart for me to read it. Mm. And 
I guess if I elaborate more, it will make sense to more people. But the piece, to my best knowledge, is about a struggling artist and his art is painting, so actual artist, so to speak. A struggling artist who is mid-twenties and he's just going through a crisis regarding that. And by the end of the piece, you realise, like, he's in a room painting, but you actually realise that actually he's in a coma. So this guy's in a coma. So it seems, you think he's locked in a room and there's throughout the piece, there's someone knocking on the door. And then it's later on that you realise that, no, the door is, he's in a coma and the knocking is them trying to get him out of the coma, but he doesn't want to leave. But then the layers to it, and I, not even the layers, I think the crux of it is actually about the pain and the sacrifice it's taken to, to pursue this art thing and what it's done to ruin his life and almost destroy his life. Like how much, you know, he, there's a line in it when he goes, this thing is, is physically killing me to do this. You know, it's ruined so much of his life. It's ruined his relationship with his mum. And to explain what, you know, why I can't read it, because that's about me. That piece is about me. Like, that I've always said to people, that piece is 80% me. There's a reason why I never went to any of the rehearsals. I didn't go to rehearsals for that piece. So I've watched that piece three times. I've watched it, one in a dress rehearsal the day before or on the day. And I watched it on both nights. Every time I watched it, I cried. Every time I watched it, so after the first time I watched it, pardon me, um, I had to ask, so the actor Joshua Boyd Cam Campbell, who is sensational and perfect, like perfect. perfect. Let me tell you a backstory before I go on to it. So big up Josh, big up Cheryl Hill as well, the director, and I'll come back to them. But an interesting story is that the person who I'd wanted to play that role, and I, it's weird, I don't normally publicly talk about this stuff because I think it's rude and disrespectful, but I think there's a, there's a lesson learned, which is the only reason why I reveal it. The person who I wanted, who I approached, talked about it and everything, was Kaede Awumi, aka RS. Mm. And and it's weird because I look back now and I'm like, I'm so happy I didn't get him. Not because he I'm wouldn't so have, glad as well. Not because he wouldn't have done it just because oh, he no, is yeah. a bad boy actor. Like oh, people no, don't even rate the levels. Like people like you know me in mockumentaries. I'm yeah, like, yeah, listen, yeah, mockumentaries yeah. is new levels. Mm -hmm. He would have nailed it. However, the reason why I'm happy it wasn't him is because people would have been like for me, I wanted it to be him because of no number one, I wouldn't have told anyone, so it'd have been a surprise. So you just see him on stage and everyone's gonna be like, yo. But that would have been a bad thing. Because people would have been distracted from the piece because it was him. Because this was when RS was popped out. Um, the BBC one hadn't even come out yet. Yeah, so we're still on that. Yeah, and we're still yeah. off the hype of the. And, I'm, and so, therefore, people wouldn't have even taken in the piece like they should have because it would have been that gas of this is RS, this is RS. Like, yeah, and even though the piece has comical elements in it, people would have found it comical for too long when, you know. And so, and Josh was just. Listen, Joshua, like, it's weird because so many of my best, and I don't want to rank people on who my best performers have been, but so many of my best performers, there's there's a backstory to their audition where they normally didn't make it. They Sorry, they nearly didn't make it. So his one, mm -hmm. I think, what happened with his audition? Um, it was a Saturday morning, I want to say, and he was, his, like, phone had died, he was cycling, and he was coming from night vigil at church. Like, and so he came late, but we still auditioned and he was really apologetic. And, and that audition, I had chills. Like, it was, like me and Abby would look at each other after, like, that's our Dionysius. Like, yeah. And so, yeah, that I'm so happy we got him and he was just magnificent. Like, I can't wait to work with him again. And even I remember later on in the process when he talked to me about him, he was just like, someone who I cited as inspiration was 
um, uh, Basquiat, and I'm like, that's mad because I was thinking of Basquiat as I wrote it. Like, and even you know, he was wearing a Michael Jackson T-shirt, and we all know I love Michael Jackson. Yeah, I didn't tell I didn't tell them to. Yeah. That's something they decided in rehearsals. I'm like, what are the odds that you're going? And don't get me wrong, there's references to Michael Jackson in the piece, but to boldly do that and actually, because there's other references too, but none of them matter to me like Michael Jackson did. That's yeah, who I yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the only other T-shirt you could, I don't think Kanye is mentioned in the piece, but that's the only other thing where you could have got me. And I'm like, yo, yeah, it would have made sense to wear that. Yeah. As well. yeah. So coming back to it, like. That piece was mental. Like, like I said, every time I watched it, I cried. After the first time of watching it, I had to go to Josh after. I was like, bro, like, there's stuff in this script which... Oh, sorry, the important bit, which people aren't even going to know. <laughs> That's how I say it. I wrote most of it drunk. So I wrote a first draft sober, spoke to Daniel Bailey, who is my brother, my mentor, my hero, the guy who forced me to write theatre when I was only writing screen. Like, he produced my first ever theatre piece. And we talked about the piece and that phone, I can't remember to go into details of the conversation, but he basically approached the conversation like talking about people I look up to, why do I look up to them? He was like, look, all the reasons why you said you look up to them is nothing to do with their talent, it's about who they are. He was like, you know, I don't care about this character because he's just a struggling artist and he's a, not even struggling, a whining artist and all artists moan and bitch about things which are their choice. They decided to be an artist. Mm. And then somehow we got talking about my life and he goes, everything you've just told me there in the space of two minutes is more interesting than this whole script. It's like, Abe, I know you're scared to put this in there. Put it in there. Put it in there. And, and I just start crying on the phone. He was like, I haven't even spoken to you in a while, so I don't even know the stuff you've been through. This is when I've been through the stuff with my mum. And then he, did, he was not aware. He was, like, yeah. he was like, but I know you're going through stuff. I can tell. I yeah. know it. And he was like, and furthermore, on top of everything you're going through, He's like, I know the pressure you're dealing with. I know that everyone out here is like, when is Abe going to make it? Like, you, People are talking about you. They want to know when it's going to happen. Like, They believe in you. They're watching your journey. So he was like, people are saying that, asking it. I, like, I know that pressure is mad. He was like, put it in the play. Like, and I'm just there on the phone, like, Woolwich, crying my eyes out, walking through my estate. Like, mad. And he's like, yeah, you need to put it in there. And so next, whenever I picked it up, picked up the script, bought a bottle of whatever, and I just drank as I wrote. And so coming back to the conversation with Josh, I see this play and I'm like, Josh, was that improv? That as in this bit, like I was picking out lines as in, I was like, do you remember that line there? And he was like, bro, you wrote it all. I don't remember writing it. I was drunk. Wow. I was drunk. I don't, so, you know, so I, cause that's what I had to do to be able to be comfortable with exposing myself. Do you think you've become more comfortable in exposing yourself? Maybe. I, to an extent, and I'd say to an extent because... Because I feel like from the pieces that I've seen of yeah. yours, from as well as I know you, that's probably one of your most introspectively vulnerable pieces. You've touched on a lot of aspects which it is, relate it's to... It's not it. even one of it's the... Yeah. Like, I, the only other one which would be more is the one I'm currently writing. Yeah, I'd say... Yeah, yeah probably yeah. the is probably yeah. more an operative yeah. Because Sods is... I think, because you're probably referring to Sod's Siblings of Divorce, which is very yeah. introspective. But I think that was, I was more, I didn't drink to write that. <laughs> and I was more at comfort at peace, whereas that, yeah. Yeah, and I think that one was, not to discredit it, no, but I think that one was much more of a, a, a wider reaching, relatable yeah. piece. Because I think that's a story yeah. that many people can resonate yeah. with. But Which I love, but it was never about that. Like, no, definitely. With, yeah, with my interest, so I think I can pick out like three or four pieces I've written, which introspective and it's always been the same approach which is for whatever reason I feel like I really need to write this and also the attitude is the same which is so with Dionysus you know, if I look back in time now Dionysus the reaction was 
mental. Like how people connected with it, how people felt with it. Like it, you know, it was mad. But for me, writing it and putting it on, so with that year, so how to fix a car crash, for me it's very simple, which is that it's a comedy. So if people laugh, it means they liked it. Mm. So the, f- the first laugh I was at peace, I'm like, yo, people like it. Similarly, Seeking Serenity, because of the subject matter, I know it's going to connect with this demographic. It's about a Nigerian family. Like, people are going to connect and feel it. And mm. blah, blah. So again, I know how to quantify that. With Dionysus, I was like, everyone can walk out and say they hate it, and I wouldn't care. Because I just desperately feel like I need to say this and get it out of me. It was therapy. It was. And the craziest thing about it is that, and this is probably why I can't read it, is because whilst it was very much talking about my relationship with my mum and my relationship with writing and how, you know, like the character says, this thing is physically killing me. Like, I love this thing and it is destroying my life. It's destroying everything around me. You know, to an extent, it ruined for a time my relationship with my mum. But what I didn't realise, which is why I can't read it now, is the foreshadowing, which is that it talks about destroying a relationship with a woman. And, yeah, <laughs> it did that. Like, And I didn't realise, you know, I wrote it, but I didn't... Re- and that's where the being drunk bit comes in. Because, obviously, when I'm drunk, I'm not thinking or worrying about that. And now, obviously, with everything that happened, I now know that I was foreshadowing, foreshadowing the future, which was about to come, and I didn't know it was, but... Really, I got asked an interesting question today. Actually, when I was, so I had a as you as you're aware, we talked about off off record. I had a feedback session with my script reader, my dramaturge, which is a fancy theatre word for a script editor. And she said to me, "Do I think I can ever be if I if I can ever be fully? You give me a second. I'm gonna find it because I wrote it down because I might put it in the script." She asked me a question. While you're finding it. It's not there. I, my phone wasn't syncing earlier. So she, basically, along the lines of, can you ever be fully, not available, but something like that in a relationship? And straight away, I just said, yeah. But it was funny, because I, I said, yeah. But how I actually said it was, yeah. And she yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and, she, yeah and then yeah, she yeah. just busted up laughing, because she was like... <laughs> you're lying. Yeah, she was like, the fact that you went high... But then I broke it down as to why. And I, I do think I could, but... I, and I was like, yeah, I was like, well... I was like, well, it depends. Is she going to see there you go. I was like, no, 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 hear me out. I was like, it depends on, it depends on how, what their attitude is to my writing. Because I've always said this, like, listen, if if you understand it, then then we'll have a great relationship. Is it, mm-hmm. we'll have a better relationship that yeah, you will even be surprised at how good it will be because you get it. But mm-hmm. if you're here doing world war against it, me too, I'm going to do world war against you because you're trying to come in between me and something like, and it's not a, it's not a matter of who or what do I love more. It's about this is like, you know, it's this is why I love Wretch. Like when I hear, you know, in the interviews when he talks about he like I feel like when I hear him talk, I'm like, the pain you're talking about is in listen, it's loving so what we what we is in I'm not even talking about the, the family pain, it's in actually how much I love this thing. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, pain yeah. is mental. Like it's destroyed. Like I say to people, this thing has wrecked my life in so many different ways over and over again. It's it's messed with family, it's m- yeah. messed with a spouse, it's messed with friendships, like it yeah. is and still I'm here, like, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, it loves me back, but there's been many times it hasn't loved me back, and it still doesn't love me back at times. No, and I'm here, like, battling for it, like, yeah, so, yeah, she, but I do, you know, I do think I could, I could definitely do it, you know, as long as that person gets it, like, they will get all of me anyway, you will get me as long as you're not fighting it. You don't fight it, because I naturally will then be that person where I consciously make decisions to make sure you feel good. It's funny, because 
touching on the wretch point, yeah. there was one thing that you said that always kind of stuck with me was that mm. I spent more time making my albums than I did making my kids. <laughs> and I was like... Bars. Bars. I was like, raw. Okay, Bars. that puts Bars. things in perspective. And it's, it's crazy because no matter what, whether you're crap or you're the greatest, big up wretch, the greatest. He's the greatest rapper. The greatest. Like, whether you're crap or the greatest... That will always be true, which is that you spend more time making music than I would like. Actually, no, it may not be true because it depends. So I'm I'm just thinking making children means having sex, but actually it could be even chasing pussy is yeah. making children because in the end of the day, that's what it will end up boiling that's down to. Up but either way, the answer is still the same, at least for me, that I spend more time writing than I do making love, <laughs> making love making, like, you know. Yeah, that's mad. Like that. Listen, my but future girlfriend, my future wife, I'm sorry. Apologies <laughs> in advance. Yeah. But it's touching on the point of you saying about your relationships in terms Before of like, we go on, Sorry. Quick, quick point. It's funny because I'm saying sorry, da, da, but the maddest thing is that's what they will fall in love with. But then when they have to be in it, it's a problem. And funny, I'm glad yeah. you said that. Yeah. And I'm glad I, that you interjected because even within my own kind of space mm. and while podcasting is very different or even yeah. just everything that I do is very much a different world to what you do. Mm. I've done podcasts and women that I've engaged with or have taken an interest in me when they listen to it, it almost threatens them by the level of honesty that I show with certain aspects, particularly mm. when I touch on relationships or my past relationships or yeah. when I talk about my current endeavours or otherwise and where I'm always about putting a very honest, introspective showcase about who you are and what you are. Yeah. Women are very much threatened by that. Yeah, of In terms I don't of that blame I've, them. Sorry, mm. the women that I've engaged with have felt threatened by that mm. to put that disclaimer in place and mm. it's interesting that you say that you know when they but then at the same time that's the thing that draws them into it in terms of what they take an interest in say for example with yourself mm. is your level of introspection and your the level of detail that you show in encapsulated within your writing where maybe on the on the on the reverse side with myself it's the conversations i'm able to have and but when they're within it it's like sometimes they'll even get the situation where they'll hear the podcast and they'll be chatting to me off the record mm. and they'll think that every conversation has got to be a flipping podcast. And I'm like, I don't have the mental space or the energy for this, but sometimes mm. you will still get the brutal honesty that I'm going to mm. portray on here. And if you can't deal with that, then unfortunately, this will always take a precedent. The conversation that I do, which is for my own gratification, will always take precedent over anything else. Yeah, And sometimes I feel like, the partners we pursue, while they may be good people, while they may be suited to us outside of our creative realm, mm. there's very few that can actually step into our creative realm and know how to navigate it with a mm. sense of assurance without it feeling personal to them. Yeah, I, I think it's so difficult though, because like even if we come back to Saturday when we're all drunk and... Jovial, not drunk, jovial. <laughs> jovial. Jovial. And... On a side note, big yeah. up Cam, uh, Wendy, Wendy Natalie, Chike, Chike. Natalie as well yeah. because there yeah. was a there was a great conversation yeah. that occurred later. That Incredible, night. but yeah, go there was something specific way. said which was by one person, and it was about how you know they were talking about the kind of person they want mm. or the kind of person they go for, which is like the creative type, but then at the same time feeling like the creative types, the other thing that they want, the creative type or not even they can't do but stereotypically they don't do mm, and, and yeah that bit like they don't not even commit as such but commit and I guess 
I don't even want to say it's be grounded, but like be that whole family thing. And I think I'm wrong, it's real. Like, because it's weird. I always think whenever I hear that, including on that day, I'm like, listen, to an extent, because I'm a Gemini, so I can always contradict myself. But to an extent, listen, I'm ready to like, with the right person, like, I'll be like, hey, let's just do this. Like, let's just sit down, settle down, and whatever. Not settle down as and get married, but forget the fast life. <laughs> And I'm just, but let's but, take it slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same, but I'm like, I'm here to do that. But it's you know, but it was funny that that person saying that this is the type I always go for, but then this type, the thing that I love about this type ends up being the curse, which is that you know I love yeah you know, what I was saying. They love the creative type, but the creative type does so many frustrating things. Yeah, yeah. I think the creative person. Is easily misunderstood. Yeah, my children ain't falling in love with creatives. My, oh, actually, no, rephrase, my daughter's ain't. Yo, yo, yo. Listen, <laughs> saying that, it's I a, said this, to, I was saying yeah. this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I need to avoid creative women. Yeah. Because they're good for my soul, bad for yeah. my pocket. Yeah. Oh, I saw you tweet about yeah, that. Yeah. To me, it's the opposite that. No, As in, no, don't yeah. worry, they're probably bad for my, all women are bad for my pocket, but it's, a, it's the soul bit that's yeah. like. Do you know yeah. what? It's, they, they, how you qualify soul is a diff- how you qualify yeah. good is is yeah. to each to their own. But yeah. I realize that I always gravitate towards creative women because mm. you know what? There's one thing that is the most unique about life, and that is your creative endeavors. Yeah, everybody can do. Not everybody can do math, but there's some things that remain. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? I see you said that. What plus two is four, minus one plus three. I'm actually going to ask you a question about that, but yeah. it's like there's certain things yeah, that, that that last a test of time. Yeah. But your creative endeavors mark a test of time mm. or mark a time itself. Yeah. So, for That's example, Mona Lisa yeah. lets you know that that was made at that very moment. Mm. You cannot replicate that painting. Yeah. You could try replicate yeah. it, but it won't be the same essence. Yeah. That is, and with creative endeavors, that's what I feel you get. But with creative women, I feel like. Depending on who you are and where your strengths lie, mm. they can enrich your soul so much and make you live within the present. But if you are someone that is very much legacy driven mm. and someone that is very astute about the realities and the me- the mechanic nature of life, mm. being with a creative person can create so much conflict. And I think sometimes that's why I say to myself as a recent. I need to avoid creative women. But I know, hand on heart, I will fall in love with a woman that is creative. I know that for, as a matter of fact. I but have no idea what I will. Like, I, I've, I've stopped trying I to figure that, it out. Do you know what? Like, I'm just I drawn to know. it. I'm just drawn to yeah. it. And I think... I mean, there's a country I know will destroy me, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it will definitely... It, yeah. it's, it's, I can't even reveal that. I, it's I called... Um, I think there was a, a term. It's called... Um, this might not be correct, but I think it's called creative destruction. Mm. Right? Where ultimately, in order for something new to be born, something must be destroyed. Well, I'm writing a good script right now. That came from destruction, so... <laughs> this is it. So that may yeah. just be the case of it. Yeah. Um, but now this is a bit off topic before we kind of, you know, wrap up things. Yeah. And this is something that hit me during the conversation when you mentioned um, Coyote coming and doing... Being mm. supposedly... Oh, may potentially would have been um, the lead role. Yeah. All right, so we've got Big Shaq. Mm. <laughs> got RS yeah right I feel like these are parallels of the same character yeah however they've been represented in different ways mm. and they both had a viral success 
Mm. Now, which one are you more comfortable with? All right. So, you know, me, I'm mad long-winded. But before I answer that, I have to say something. And it's weird because because of the question, I will answer it directly. Yeah. As much as... But you're allowed to give context and you're allowed yeah. to give, you know, yeah. um, an expansion. So I will answer it. Like, I don't want to be Switzerland and be like, oh, I can't pick. But I don't think I should pick. But I will yeah. because it's important to and it's also a very, actually, not personal, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, subjective response. Yep, 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 yep. But something I will always remember is years ago when I'd get frustrated. I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank God I'm not this person anymore. But I'd get a bit frustrated about the success of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, pardon me. And I'd be like, yeah. What like, I don't get it. why are they doing that and I'm not and this isn't even a it's weird because people will hear this and will think of like the most obvious answers and I'm I'm not thinking of uh, Kaede or Michael but maybe versions of that two three years ago mm. that's what people assume but it still isn't even that mm. <laughs> it's something I'll tell you off record who yeah, it actually sure. is that crossed my mind and my boy Femi who directed my first short film he'll be directing my next short film next Closure. year as well no uh, Closure was Kobe. Big up Kobe, by the yeah, way. Yeah, his, yeah. His, his next short film, he's going to win awards for it. Like, I've read it and it's incredible. Mm. I want to say the name, but I don't even know if that's out there for me to be saying. But that cool. short film, is, actually, no, it will be out there because they put it all on the website. It's called Haircut. Okay. That short film is magnificent. I read the script before he even got like the funding for anything. I was like, yo, this is... And you've improved so much. Anyway, back on topic. Um, Femi, who directs my first short film, Therapy, I remember him saying to me that, Abe, like, you have to remember that, you know, these people who are achieving these things, like, you can't get wound up about it because you don't know what their goals are. Mm-hmm. So why are you letting it get... So their goals are completely different to yours. Like, you know, I, I know my goals. Like, I know what I'm trying to achieve. And in my head, my goals are bigger than the goals of anybody who anyone might compare me to. Like, even, no offence to... Uh, Michael Dapper and Big Shaq, for example. I'm like, but for me, my you know, you know my goals. Like, I'll probably even say them. As much as I was trying not to, I'm like, listen, I'm trying to win Oscars out here. I'm trying to win, you know, BAFTAs. I'm trying to win... Affirm the thing, fam. Listen, that's what... Like, as in, that's always been the aim. And, and it's weird because I've started to change slightly in terms of thinking of other things, but that is still the thing, what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And so, therefore, like, let's put it on a more simple level. Like, at the end of the day, in fact, now we can put it on the two people you've just asked me about. From what I know, both personally as well as from studying them because yeah yes i know both of them personally to an extent but also i even if i didn't know them like in fact even though i know them i'm still studying what they're saying in interviews i'm still reading and watching mm-hmm. they're not shooting at the same hoops they're not mm. listen dapper is a comedian and he's a, only. yeah he's a comedian and he's a comedic act and he's a comedy writer mm-hmm. kayade Primarily, he's an actor. He's also a writer. But that writer bit, you haven't heard me say a genre yet. Mm. There's no genre I've mentioned. So, whereas Michael can run for as long as he wants with the parody, he can run with the comedic aspect, blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't really have to worry about being boxed in. Like, the only boxing in he has to worry about is characters, which is like Big Shaq, for example. But as a whole, like, you know, he can still... Yes, he might get boxed into a character, which would be a problem. And I hope he doesn't because I know he doesn't want to be. I don't think he will. Yeah, I don't think he will. Yeah. But it could, we could see, if it you happened, you wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. Whereas Kaede, which is why he stopped the whole RS thing, he's like, 
I've got so much more I want to do. And if I keep running with this, which yes, in the short term is that peak and could have very much gone to do, like, you know, no, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, but I wouldn't, no. I was about to say I wouldn't be surprised if RS Fire in the Booth has more numbers than Big Shot, but that's impossible. No, no, not, not yeah. now. No. Yeah, not <laughs> no, now. No, no, no. Not now. But yeah, that's absolutely yeah. impossible. It's not possible. But, but if, but let's say, put it this way, if before the video and the track dropped, if we looked at the numbers, I reckon actually RSs would have been ahead. Okay. Yeah. However, once the, yeah, then, obviously, yeah, it's the same with Chicken Connoisseur, how we all got into it about episode five, six, and we then went back and watched all the previous ones. The back catalogue, yeah. So it's the same way you'll see the Big Shack video, like in LA, Miami, whatever, and then you go back and see every, you yeah. know, I went back and watched Squirrel, for example. Yeah. So I'm like, they're not shooting at the same hoop, so stop comparing them. Like, listen, like, I would say that Coyote's ambitions from what I know from what I'm aware of like again I've got you know I don't I've met him a couple of times and whatever but I've you know, I'm good friends with the director for example and even if I wasn't just from reading and studying them and reading and watching their interviews I know where their heads are at to an extent mm. then you know I would say mine and Kaida's ambitions are more in line and even then I wouldn't say they're the same because yeah, I think there's things where I think, mm, no, we're not, we're not wanting the same thing there. Yeah. You want that and I want this. But, mm-hmm. so you, yeah, I, I think it's really unfair that people can, yeah, I can't blame people because that's life. We compare everyone. We compare footballers. We compare rappers. We go, yeah. but if you were to say to me, who do I, what was the question? Because I can pick one. I know I who the answer is. but like, who, do you, who do you prefer? Oh, no, you've made the question worse now, man. You can't do that. Okay, so saying that. But I can answer it though. Yeah. If you but answer again, it. They're both dope. On their own, they're both dope. And like, I think yeah. saying aren't choosing yeah. one over the other doesn't mean yeah. that you're delegitimizing or cool. saying that one is not great. So I I'll get out the answer yeah. and then I'll explain why I love both. But I'll get the answer. For me, RS, hands down. Yeah. Like, and the reason why I say RS is listen, I am so harsh as a critic of anything, but especially black talent. And it's not a racist thing, is that I want my people to excel. So therefore, the same yeah. standard that I'm I'm approaching any kind of stuff. It's the same. I'm not going to back you just because you're black. It's like you've got to work twice as hard. Yeah. That whole, that whole it's not even is. that, though. It's just that I'm not going to back you because you're black. As in, no, I'm not going to back you just because you're black. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, as yeah. in, if I back you, it's because I think you're the same excellence which I'm rating. Yeah. So this comes... So the reason why I will back... R- and don't get me wrong, Dapper is also killing it in this film, but I think oh, yeah. but I think RS for me was another world. I think we'll see mm. from 12 months and now when we got yeah. to Michael Dapper as mm. we gave mm. um, RS 12 months. Mm. Or should I say Coyote 12 yeah. months. So, yeah. so with RS, I'm like, yo, first minute drop, six second video, Vine. Mm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. You got to 30 second video. You know, 30 second video where he's like, they're stalling for time for the beat to drop. And the oh, beat, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, the beat. And then he just ran off. 30 seconds, I was still invested. Like, as in, there were a couple of vines, there were a couple of 30s, all of these, I'm invested. And I'm like, and I was invested enough that when you dropped a YouTube video of an episode, I watched it. Mm-hmm. No, no, I wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. I then clicked it and saw 21 minutes or however long it was. Listen, I don't do that. I'm not here for it. Like, mm-hmm. or at least at that stage. Now I've started to watch long things a bit more. Mm-hmm. But I'm, generally speaking, if I see 20 something minutes, I'm not watching it. Mm-hmm. But I was so impressed by the little things you've dropped that I wanted to watch it and I watched it and it was levels like sensational like, and I watched it early so not that not to say that everyone gets caught up in the social media but I watched it from the beginning and I knew straight away this is amazing what Christmas was that so 
that would have been Christmas. It didn't come out at Christmas. It came out before. But the reason why I'm bringing up Christmas, Christmas 2015, we watched it as a family. Yeah. Bringing in the parents, bringing in the grandparents, everyone in the room laughing, bending up like this thing is dope. And for me, when I watch Jairus, I'm just like, this is... So I love Ricky Gervais, The Office. That was my first. It's, he does know. He does reference that actually. I think it was yeah. that and um, and, um, people um, doing nothing as well. People says so Ricky Gervais. People just do nothing and that Australian one about the school, um, summer summer thing heights. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's weird because I don't watch people just do nothing at the time. And now I have, I fully get that that's where they, that, not in the criticism way, but that was their key inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird you mention people just do nothing because obviously I went to the Crapped FM concert, which is the same, yeah. and it was lit. Had a and great he's a bar, as you know. Right, I've watched it. Bars. Bars. But for me, when I watched The Office years ago, and I was like, do you know how hard this is? Do you know how hard it is for me for you to do this? And it's actually believable. Like I've had a mockumentary I've been writing for years. Like and hopefully it might get made or whatever. Like I haven't done enough with it as opposed to everything else. But that is not easy. I'm like I believe you. Like you're this kid and stuff. Like yeah. Even when me and so the name of the director is called Ty, um, Tyrell. I just call him Ty. And Ty will be talking to me about it and be like so, and and like he's giving me critique on my mockumentary and he's like the beauty of mockumentaries is that whether it's um, David Brent on The Office, whether it's MC Grindr and people just do nothing, whether it's RS, you look into the character's eyes, he believes what he's saying. And it's ridiculous yeah. to us. He be- Listen, Kyrie levels. Sensational. Like, people just do nothing has won BAFTAs. Um, Even Kyrie's won a BAFTA, to be fair. Has he? He won a young person's BAFTA. BAFTA. No, no, that's a different award. But that's still well, levels. No, so he, he, was, he got... Um, BAFTA do this thing once a year, which is 12 people get it, which is called, it's not the Rising Star Award, BAFTA Breakthrough, Breakthrough Brits. That's yes. the one. That's which the is one, still yeah. levels, bruv. Yeah. I, I apply every year and I don't get it. Like, it's levels. It's coming, man. Don't worry, man. Amen, it's amen. It's coming. It's coming. But this is my point. I'm like, listen, so The Office, David Brent, oh, um, BAFTAs, people just do nothing, BAFTAs. If he had continued it, there's no way for me it wouldn't have run a BAFTA, but he made his own conscious decision that he didn't want to. Yeah. And so... Now, because I've given that much time to him and saying that's one of my favourite, similarly with Dapper and Big Shaq, I don't even know where to start with that because that is that comes down to me working in schools for me, the big thing, which is that, so I work in schools as a cover supervisor, as you mm-hmm. know, like I go in and out, different schools. Basically, I'm a supply teacher without qualifications, which means I don't have to teach them nothing. The work is just set. Every lesson without, not every day, every lesson, there's a reference. Well, how many months? It's like four months now. There it's is, about that, yeah. There's still that. every day. I remember the other day I opened up the work to see what they were set, um, what they had been set. The subject was perspiration, which is similar to the word obviously respiration. Which one does he say in the song? No, it's perspiration. It's perspiration. He says yeah, yeah. the subject was respiration, and as soon as I opened the page before they'd even come to class, I just like, I know for a fact someone's going to hear respiration thing, like mm. that's and it happened. Of course, listen, it is so embed. Like forget the the stuff we can act. We all know which is. The bigger things, which is the numbers it's done, the everything like the viral it has been like it's a cultural yeah. impact. Do you know what the one thing that upsets me that I never said because now I'm saying it, I don't think it means much because whether it happens or not, no one's gonna be like, ah, oh, he said it, and I wish I could. Before it even hit a mill, if I, I'm even before maybe that video happened, I was like, yo, this thing might do a billion like Gangnam Style. Like mm. I, was, I looked and I was like, I think this might do a billion because it's that effects which I'm seeing on a level which isn't even part of what I'm like I said you don't I don't you're not a snapper right snapchat not anymore cool no. my little sisters like there was a I've got a video when I went to my mum's house and 
you know, firstly, my little sister, the 13 year old, wanted to fight me, physically fight me, because I told her I'm not taking her big shack and friends. And I kind of feel bad now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel bad. I'm not going to lie. I had a great time. And I felt like, oh, you're <laughs> But it's too much. The thought of taking my sister to a concert is stress because I like to have a good time at a concert. Mm. I don't want to be babysitting. I'm a selfish bastard. <laughs> but um, I'm like, the effect this has had has been mad. Like, we've seen all the random videos, like, where whether it's like in South Africa when they're pro. No, not South Africa. Where's Mugabe? Zimbabwe. Whether it was Zimbabwe where they're protesting, whether it's in Nigeria when someone's in a parody, whether it's in the church in London, whether it's in flipping America, like it has gone mad. Like it has a cultural yeah. impact yeah. which cannot be. I, I think yeah. it's unheard of, mm. and I think the reason why I ask that question is because yeah. I feel like, like I say, they are a parallel of mm. a similar character. Yeah, which they're, is, they're a parallel of a similar character, but the person behind them. Are different. Are different, and they do like. Different. If you watch Enterprise, for example, yeah, yeah, Ent yeah, which is brilliant. Like, listen, of course. I'm still. Mm, I shouldn't even cuss them because I'm working for them. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> BBC. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm gobsmacked that they that they only commissioned that. And don't wrong. In my opinion, I will, I will be very surprised if they don't commission a full series. Yeah. But for me, pure and simply, off the fact that, off of what he's done. You're commissioning him a full series because you know that whatever he makes, which is amazing or whack, people are going to watch it. Mm -hmm. And that's the rule when it comes to all this stuff, the business and the numbers. If you can get the numbers in, you're going to get commissioned. Oh, yep. crap. Yep. Filmmakers, screenwriters, musicians, whatever, who are still making work over and over again because they get the numbers regardless. I feel like... It and that was dope. Yeah. Yeah. It was dope as well. Enterprise was dope. No, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like... The, the top the point you just made, I feel like there is a different benchmark set between black media. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and white media. Yeah, listen, if if RS was a white guy, it wouldn't have been one episode. It would have been. I'm sorry, not RS. Kaide woman. Let me respect sorry, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me, definitely. not you. If Kaide woman was a white guy, he would not have done a pilot episode where they're testing to see what the numbers do. Yeah. He would have got a series straight oh, away. One million percent. Like now, the reason why I drew the parallel. Yeah was the fact to say that, you know, they are, you know, of a similar character. Yeah. Um, but in different ways. Yeah. They both paradise and they uh, make satire out of the guy from the ends. Yeah. However, the they both went viral, yeah. which is a similarity. Yeah. However, in terms of... We're the, still doing the head-tapping um, memes. and. We're just, still yeah. doing the head-tapping memes. This like, is, this, this is, is like 18 months, two yeah. months, two years yeah, later. Yeah, two years ago, yeah. Two years just, plus. Exactly. I'm talking, it was two, Christmas two years ago when I showed the family the video, which means it's even further back. This is yeah. it. And it's like, looking at that now, is like the reason why I draw that parallel and ask you for which you prefer, which yeah. may have been the wrong word to you. Yeah, that's fine. We'll but at the same time, do. I feel like you gave a very just case for both. Yeah. And there's some aspects which maybe I didn't even take into account of. Mm. I think with Michael Dapper and Big Shaq being in the present as we record this... Yeah. Can I just say as well, I've only watched about half the series, like three or four episodes, but Swill... It's dope. Almost definitely. Yeah, and I follow dope. um yeah. the director of it, Mark Brown. You know where Bruno? Why did everyone go Bruno? Bruno, listen, Bruno, that's one. Let's not leave this on this podcast because it's actually a very important thing which I don't yeah. want to forget. Like I, I mentioned it earlier where I said if I hadn't gone Bruno, I wouldn't have written. Like Bruno, that the ambition that it instills in the people who like it was it's and you mad. remember the energy was mad. Like it's mad. everyone believed there's they not could one do person whatever. that there's so many people that went Bruno yeah. that have either got a business or yeah. doing a creative endeavor or killing it in or what they're doing. It yeah. doing. It's like, and it's not like it was a top ten uni, but there was just that thing in all of us where we really wanted to do whatever we wanted to like, do. I can name at least five people that have gone Bruno. Yeah, that yeah. have either got a business or doing yeah. a creative endeavor or yeah. a 
a, a milestone yeah. within their respective Where you just like levels. levels. Where you're like, yeah. bro, like, yeah. the Bruno breeds something. Yeah, weird. it was special. And it's weird because in my, I don't know what it's like now, but I don't, I, I personally don't think it's what it was when we were there. No, no, no. But, we, yeah. We no, but there, I don't even mean different. that bit. I don't even, but I mean in terms of, like, the way we're talking about us, I don't think in the next two, three years we're going to see more. Do you know who else went Bruno? now? Not in our year, though. I think it was a couple of years after us. Ray Black. Is it? This is what I'm saying. Brunel, spe- as in that era, special. Like that. Oh, era, undeniably. Special. Like from the athletes, which obviously made sense because it was Athletics University. Like, yeah, because Perry Shrieks went. Yeah, um, big up Perry. Yeah. Like two years, pardon me, two years, um, what was I about to say? I don't even know what I was going to say. Also, like, like um, Matthew, who does Faded. Yeah. He went Matthew Brunel. Bridgman. Big up Matthew Bridgman. Um, who else can I think of? There's um, yeah. a few notable people. Do you know that who else went Bruno? A few years before us, um, Ennio Luca. Is it? Yeah, footballer. Yeah, for England. Yeah, anywhere. There, there's like big up people that went Bruno. Yeah. Like I always used to slam yeah. the Bruno. Big up Lorraine. Only there for a year, but big up Lorraine. Lorraine Ugen. Yeah. Big up Nate. Like it's Crystal special. was. Um, Crystal. Crystal, Crystal, Crystal. Crystal. Not Crystal. Um, Christine. Christine. That when yeah. that was in your, in your play, yeah, yeah, your play. She went Bruno Listen, as well. Christine's going to Sundance next year, bro. Yeah, this is what I'm Listen, saying. Like, 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 there's there's a madness that, of people that went Bruno that yeah. are killing it right yeah. now, and I want to say big up all of them. And there's even people yeah. that are not. And I'm sad because I'm forgetting people. I'm missing people out, but people are doing. There's even people like, like there's Joyce who was in my year yeah. who um may not necessarily have the the gloss in terms of like mm. the the fame of it, but. Mm. What she does within her digital marketing. Yeah, listen, here, Joyce has been doing bits like this. And, is what I'm and obviously, because we're friends with her, we know it. And like you mentioned, it doesn't have the gloss, but it is the levels. Like yeah, Joyce is a G. Like Joyce is killing it. Like, like I remember giving her giving me advice a couple of years ago, and yeah. it's always stuck with me. And yeah. I think sometimes we just need to big up the people that yeah. are around us. And I think it's something that Issa Rae said, where it's like sometimes networking doesn't have to be vertical; it can be yeah. horizontal. Brav. I've and seen we, you tweet about it a few times, and it's so like, true. And it, like for me, I'm all about yeah. pulling pulling resources around me. Like yeah. I'm always about the ground up and the grassroots up, and mm. that's why I like maybe the forte is green to represent the, the grassroots of the green mm. because I want to build up rather than having to always pull from the low hanging fruits that yeah. are brother flat. Fun all of that. Yeah, that's not all about me, but. Mm. Moving on forward now, and I guess to, you know, I guess to paint the picture of what the future holds for you, what does the next 12 to 18 months mean for, for, for Abraham? This what is what we're ending, man. This is what we're ending Yeah, of course, like, it's a good This, it's this a is good what one. it needs to be. Yeah. Like, right. What is it? Because I want you to now a, affirm, prophesize, but also document what the next 12 to 18 months Can't wait till part two, man. It's going to be fun. Like, it's going to be fun, but at the same time, um, I'm waiting two years for this. I'm going to wait another two years for the next <laughs> I might as well say 12 to 24 months. Um, okay. Of what I know it holds for me, I'm under commission to currently write, I think, two full-length plays. I think I'm under commission to write. I might be wrong. I'm definitely under commission to write one. I'm pretty sure I'm under commission to write two. Oh, you know, I am. Okay, I remember. Oh, cool. cool. I'm under commission to write two full-length plays and I'm on the cusp of being commissioned to write a third one. Um... Which is dope. One of them is one of them is a commission for a project called Dangerous Space. It's mm-hmm. I'm writing a brand new Fallout. I don't even know what it's about yet. As in, it's down to me. The only criteria is that it has to have six actresses in it, and I've already been given those six actresses, different ages, different backgrounds, different races, whatever. It's gonna be fun. I can't wait. I met them last month. No, this month at the start of December, and it was amazing. Um, 
the other play commission I can't really talk about much, but it's it's a new play. That's it. I'm writing a new play, whatever I want. Um, I'm also I'm also I've got a project which I'm so excited about. It's a collaboration between and you're sad. Originally I was able originally, in terms of when we set the date, I should have been able to talk about it. But it got pushed back, so I can't talk about it yet in, in terms of the details. Mm. But I've been, I've got a commission to, which is Creative Blue Balls, collaborating with a major theatre. Oh, wow. And a major, do I call them a new media company, I guess? You don't know what they are, so. It, I Let's call, call like them a, a new media company. Yeah, you, wait, I've told you, right? No, I don't think you have. I mean, sorry for people who can't see what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So it's it's Creative Blue Balls, the theatre company, and that the project is going to be mad. Like when it gets announced, I can't flip it. Like, right, it's been burning right. me. Well, uh, when we're yeah, done right. with this, I'll tell you more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, we've, <laughs> so we've got that. Which, but I'm I'm excited for that. Not even because of myself, because I'm getting to commission new writers, and I'm so excited to commission. As in, don't wrong. I will also be writing for it. Mm. But it's also that I'm going to be able to give these people the opportunity, the platform, the connections. That now that you know the company, mm. you have an idea of what more there is going to be to it in terms of the other, the other kinds of people that will be involved in that project. Undeniably. So there's that. Um, I'm writing... Uh, so I've got a deadline, January 8th. So I'm writing a new play for Royal Court because I was part of their Royal Court's yep, yep. writer's programme. Mm. When that script is submitted on January 8th, I then begin writing something for TV. Um, which is another commission. Uh, is that the BBC thing? I was about to say, I was like, I was about to say, I can't say who, then I realised I mentioned who it was earlier, so fuck it. I'm yeah. going to snake you and you. So That's it. Yeah, it's the BBC. It's the BBC. And don't get me wrong, like, you know, we don't have enough time to discuss it, but the reason why I don't mention these names is because this industry is fickle in terms of... And it's petty. And well. Not even... It's petty, but not even that as well. It's fickle in terms of... It can fall apart tomorrow. So yeah. as much as I've been commissioned, there's no guarantee what I'm... Yes, I'm being paid for it, which is dope, but there's no guarantee it will see the light of day. Yep, yep, there's yep. no guarantee it will see the light of day, which is why I don't like to talk about it, because people are like, oh, what's going on with the BBC thing? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then one day it dies. And yeah, and yes, I would have been paid up until it died. God forbid it dies, by the way. But I would have been paid up until it dies, but which is dope for me, because I can keep a head over my roof from writing. Yeah. But... And this is, we're actually going to wrap up on something different, I've decided by the way, because it was something which I said I wanted to talk about. But, yeah, so that's probably why I don't mention it. It's, not, it's because people don't understand it. So people think, once they hear the name, they think, oh, this is amazing, this is going to be this. And I'm like, yo, there's no guarantees. Like, yo, sometimes it could be that we get to the final hurdle and then the actor says they don't want to do it no more. And the only reason they were keeping the project on was because it had that actor attached to it. Mm. In fact, the irony of it is that I wasn't giving that as an example for mine. But when I tell you who the actor is, it's mad. Like, How could I forget the whole speaking about the whole Jude yeah. thing? How? <laughs> that wasn't even what I was referring no, to. No, but how can I forget about that? Because <sighs> no, we're going to prolong this podcast just for at least five well, to ten minutes before, one, before we wrap up. I'm sorry. Um, Jude... But before we go to let me just wrap up okay, on cool, the commission. Cool, cool, so, cool. So, so, yeah, we've got the theatre stuff. The commissions that are going on, we've got the TV one, um, and then on top of that, oh shit! I just realised a project which I was okay. Cool. This isn't the one which I said a shit to, but I'm also on a personal level with Creative Blue Balls. I think I think the de- date we've set is March. We're gonna have a showcase of right now the working title. I don't mind revealing it because I don't care if it changes, but the working title is um, it's a dope name, and I didn't even come up with it. It's the writer's watch list. Okay. And I'm commissioning four writers 
to write a short piece for Creative Believables and I can't wait. I'm so excited because they're writers who I've been keeping my eye on for time. And this is like uh, phase two for Creative yeah. Believables. Just mad. One. What happens if I need the toilet, by the way? Do we like pause? Do we like. I know you got to hold it. Because I've been holding it for like 20, 25 minutes. I know, no, you got to hold it. We're going to wrap it up. Cool, I'll hold it. It's fine. No, no, no. Um, I'm only making you hold it because most people I would have paused it for, but you're going to make you hold it. Mad people, if you hear that trickle into the carpet, it's because Sherrod did me dirty. You could have edited it out, no, but no, instead no. he thought, let, let's increase the microphone nope, for that. No, no, no. I've been holding it for time. Nope. Do you know I should have said it earlier because you'd have probably been more compassionate. Nope. No, but Sherrod, I'm actually dying here. Can, one take, Jake. I'm one take. Because now I've said it, I'm struggling. Nope, you're ruining, you're ruining. <sighs> now nah, you've got to have a wrap up, so it's fine. All right, cool. Guys, if you miss out anything, it's because Sherrod made me hold this and I wanted to rush. But yeah, that's that. So I'm going to be commissioning a lot. So with the project with the two companies that's commissioned other writers on a personal level with our own things which we're doing in-house, we're commissioning new stuff. I just want to give people opportunities, which is going to be dope. And the one that made me go, ooh, 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 I'm writing a short film. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm writing a short film, which hopefully we're going to do a screening. So it comes back to that whole frustration of people thinking I only write flipping fear. And I'm like, listen... Film is my number one love. Fear comes second. I'm only doing it. This would have been a great one to talk about, but it'll be on another episode. But the brief version of it is that me writing theatre has been a strategic move, which is that I observed all the people who were two, three, four years apart ahead of me and all of them had come from theatre. And I'm like, well, if you can't beat them, you have to join them. So even that project where I'm talking about writing for six chicks, six women rather, whatever you want to call them, Six I'm, women, let's yeah, listen. Yeah. Don't be men are trash, you know. This is not, uh, this is bro, a, We might have to edit this out. Like, no, 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 no. This is a men are trash free zone, okay? Yeah. So we're going to we're gonna refer to women as they are. But you know what? We can't even call men are trash anymore because I watched Insecure this week. I binge watched it. Have you watched it? Yes. Women are men trash. Men are still trash. No, no, men are still trash. Wow, you're really fat. Listen, I mean, don't get me wrong, men are trash. No, men are trash. Men are trash. But when I watch Insecure. Big up Chike for a pre appropriate. <laughs> big up Chike, honestly. Yeah, big, big up Chike. Sure, but you're not gonna let me go to it. Like I won't forget nothing. My blood is going. Like no, 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 no. I'm not gonna let you. I'm in a power trip right now. No, right. fuck it. All right, cool. I'm gonna let you do that. I'm gonna let you do that. I'm gonna respect you. I don't care anymore now. Jude Law, you had a play recently. I hope people are still listening at this point. Like, listen, people are listening. I hope so. You had a play with Jude Law. This is. Probably the most, one of the most notable British actors of our time. BAFTA nominated. BAFTA, BAFTA nom- winner, I think, actually. BAFTA- Oscar nominated, BAFTA winner. Yeah. If I remember. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. yeah. What the hell was that like? <sighs> Bro. So there's, again, me talking about that experience could be its own podcast. But what I will say is that was mad. Like, it was mad, like... I'm just going to be here saying it's mad forever. Man, like... So, one thing you should know about me, first and foremost, is that I love Jude Law. Like, I fully, fully love him. I think he's such an incredible, sensational actor. Like, and it's weird because I then went back... I searched Jude Law on my my Twitter app and I found a tweet from, like, 2012 or 2011 where I'm like... I hope one day Jude Law can be in. It was actually a specific script I was mentioning. So you prophesized it? 
I can't even, I wish I could claim that, but I can't purely because I didn't say anything. I said a specific script I'd written, which I'm going to send him, by the way. But but let's say, but either way, I've always wanted this guy. Like, I Okay, but him. you prophesized it. Cool. Let's, 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 let's give it that. Because you're a legend and you're a god in your own right. So amen, therefore, amen. God always prophesizes what he's about to say like it's scripture. But anyway. God of a lowercase g. God of a lowercase yeah. g. But yeah. And so already that was mad for me, having Jude Law. In, and then... But for me, the, the, there's, there's two separate things to talk about. It's one, the human level. Mm-hmm. So as you know, but the people won't know, so I'll tell them. I'm, so the timeline is, find out in July or August, that, July I think, that Jude Law is going to be in my thing. And September is when it was going to happen. And in August, I bump into Jude Law whilst drunk in Soho. You can't write that stuff. And I'm so happy that moment happened because it was that bumping into him in August and everything that that affected, which made me love him. Because the fear always is, is that, you know, this is my fear over Kanye, but I don't think it can happen anyway because I love him too much. I'm like, you love people so much and then you meet them and they're dicks. And don't worry, most people probably call Kanye a dick, but Kanye can never be a dick to be like, he would have to be a dick direct as opposed to, like, if he's himself. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if he's actually... A personal dick. Yeah, that's where it's a problem. Like, pause. Yeah, pause. But bump into Jude Law, mad drunk, carnival weekend. So it's the Saturday. We've gone for a bottomless brunch. And he walks past us in the street. And I don't notice him. My friend notices him. And my friend's like, yo, Abe, there's Jude Law. I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, no, it's not. And we go back and forth. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's imagine that it actually is Jude Law. What now? What do you want me to do? Mm. Like, I was like, he was like, go introduce yourself. I'm like, why would I do that? Like, I'm gonna, like, why am I gonna say, hey, dude, like, you're in my work. Like, so what? Who cares? In a few weeks, yeah, I'll meet him anywhere. My friend insisted. So I went up, followed this guy, like, cut in the middle of the street to figure out if it's him. And I still can't tell if it's him, so I just think, fuck it. And I just tap him, like, excuse me. And he turns around and looks at him, like, in my head, I'm like, oh shit, it is Jude Law. And I go, hey, um, just to let you know, I'm not, yeah, I know who you are. This isn't the question you always get asked. Like, I know who you are. And and he's just smiling. Such a beautiful face. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's a very handsome man. No, he's, he's a handsome an man. He's a handsome, handsome man. man. Yeah. Balding, and, but a handsome yeah, man. Yeah, hey, have some respect for my boy. Other people said that, I'm not having it. And I can and, only say this because I've got a full set of hair. So. <laughs> and, um... And I'm like, oh, the reason I want to talk to you is because I'm writing something for you. And, he, and his face just lights up. He's mm. like, oh, my God. He's with, like, this beautiful woman. Don't know. I mean, she, yeah, she was his girlfriend. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I can't remember her name. This is Abraham. He's right. And I'm just thinking, this is mad. This is mad. And he's like, so what did you want to ask me? I was like, oh, I don't know what to write. No, in fact, before I even say it, he's like, and if you're going to ask me what to write for you, what you should write for me, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> and then we just laugh about that and then he gives me an idea which I didn't use he's like right here's my idea maybe you could do this because we talked about the theme mm. so that like, this is the theme this is my idea he's like but here's a condition if you use it we're sharing the credit in my head I'm thinking yo imagine written by Abraham Adeyemi and Jude Law like it's a shame I, I didn't use it because that would have been lit yeah 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 but you know and that was that and he's like okay well I'll see you in a few weeks like lovely to meet you but that's not it doesn't even end there it then comes down to the night when he performed it, which was mad. It was magical. And we're going to go on, we're going to come back to that point in a second about that whole night and how it's not real and I barely remember it because Mm. of how much it was. But after, we're in the venue, because it's a charity event, in the venue, he's there and everyone's just swarming him at the bar. 
And then I'm like about 50, 60 metres away. And he just points at me. He points at me and he's waving. And he's like, mate, part in the Red Sea to come over to me. I'm like, this is mad. And he goes to me. He's like, um, he goes, oh, you're, you know, he's so happy to see me. He's like, oh, you're writing with Barbara, aren't you? And my head, my heart just sinks. I'm like, who's Barbara? Like, bruv, not all black people look the same. Like, dude, you're not this guy. Mm. You're not meant to be this guy. You're wow. Not, I'm hurt. And then he goes, no. And it's weird because once upon a time, I couldn't tell the story in full because the news hadn't come out. I was like, no, Barbara Houseman. Barbara Houseman is the director who's leading, you know the commission I mentioned where I might have the six female actresses? Oh, yep, yep, yep. She's yep. the one who's running that whole thing. It's her combined with um, a director called Nastasia. And it's called Dangerous Space. And so he's like, you're right. And I'm like, my ne- you know me, I've got no filter. He says that, and I realise what he's talking about. I'm like, how the fuck do you know about that? Because it yeah. it's not public news. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't, yeah, yeah. There's been no press release, nothing. And he goes, oh, me and Barbara are really good friends. I told her I was doing this. As soon as he said, I'm like, and then she, and he, I'm, what? Like, I'm like, this is, he's like, I told her I was doing this thing. And she's, and she's like, oh, he's writing for me as well. And I'm like, D-. even when I last saw her, so I saw her, a few weeks ago and she was just telling me like he loves your work like he yeah he was meant to come to the showcase he didn't come because they were filming like in i think it might have been eastern europe or something they were filming a film or he was gonna come like he he was like he said so like yo he look out for him like he is like he's got it like uh, you know like that's all so when he when even in that moment when i'm like yo you've just been talking about me absolutely casually like jude law someone who i love revere whatever Similarly, Barbara, who is levels, like, she is so dope. What? And then, and it's weird, because I have pictures from that night, and there's only one picture of it that I like, which is the one which everyone's, because there's more on my phone which I haven't shared. But that one which is the real moment where it's just me and him in conversation. Like, yeah. Because, you know, even if there was no picture, that moment will stick with me forever, that me and, you know, I'm also born in the same hospital as well. Lewisham Hospital, big up. <laughs> and I can see the look of disgust in your face as I say Lewisham Hospital, but yeah, that, that, so coming back to the moment. So you were basically born in a village hospital. Fuck you. <laughs> coming back to that moment of the showcase, the truth is, it was unreal. It was unreal. I actually don't remember it because I'm sitting there front row and he's, I'm like, and all I'm thinking, forget the actual, like, as in I've seen it now, as in I've watched it. So they had a screening for us to watch it. And I almost didn't go to the screen and I'm so glad I did because I didn't appreciate it enough in the moment mm. because all I'm thinking is, yo, this is Jude Law saying the words that I wrote and that's it. So as much as I'm hearing it, I'm not hearing it. I'm not feeling it. I'm not experiencing it. That but, must have been such a surreal moment. It's mad. It's mad. Like... It's mad because it's still so early in my career, and I don't think yeah. it's early in your career. I think it's at the right time. I hope so. Like when I look at, I've been privy to, and I guess I would also go as far as saying I've been honoured to see your journey so far. Yeah, and I I think saying it's early is maybe a bit of an injustice to how much you've done so far. Thank you, man. And I think. Sometimes we, we, we like to predefine our moments by saying it came prematurely. But I think sometimes things happen at the very right time. Yeah. And I think where you are right now, what you've been able to achieve, the trials and tribulations, the highs and lows, everything that you've gone through, this Jude Law um, moment happened at very much the right time, which I hope 
serves as a a a flag in the sand mm. to say this is a checkpoint yeah and i think it's only going to get better and amen amen you know i sometimes think of success as being like a desert yeah right to get from one side to the desert seems like a very long road and you have to go through many sand dunes which are highs and lows and i think this is going to be another high yeah and i hope you don't have to experience many lows because it seems like you've gone through your own fair share but at the same time there are many more highs to come and i cannot wait to see them but to kind of i guess you know take everything into encapsulation and you know taking the next 12 to 18 months which you've kind of envisioned being full of work yeah and you've been able to highlight saying you know discipline is a key part and the fact that you are very goals oriented, which is not yeah. something that's commonly associated with quick many cut. creative people. Quick cut. Yeah. One of my goals for next year is that like twenty eighteen by the end of it, fully freelance. So it comes I feel it's relevant to say yeah, that. Like, yeah, like that's the aim. I want to be at the end of the year. And sometimes just writing in creative blue was nothing else. That to be freelance and to be able to go from working in retail to doing this full time yeah. on your own terms, like you're not just a creative person, you are, you're very much your own entrepreneur, which sometimes we don't give people um, from, you know, your creative and industry background to say that they are entrepreneurs in their own right. And I think sometimes we need to tip our hat and say, do you know what, you are a businessman in your own right to do things like, you know, pay what you like. That mm. is a business move, you know, to it be is. able it to... Really is. No, it really yeah. is. And I think... Do you know what? The one thing, the reason why I've I've been patient and wanting to wait for this podcast for so long is because you encapsulate not only the best of the creative space, but I see so many pockets of great business and marketing moves. And I guess this is just me eulogising to say, yo, like, there's so much more greatness to come from you. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for it. In fact, yeah. you know what? I can wait for it because you know what? If one thing that's, that, that's life has taught me and one thing that this podcast happening has taught me, the time is worth it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But to kind of, I guess, just to, you know, for people to kind of follow your journey the way I have, how can people reach out to you? How can people keep in tabs on you? Um, so, Besides me getting onto you on your Twitter. <laughs> like, but how can people follow you? Like, so if, you wanna, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I think the best, the two best ways to follow what I'm doing is, or three maybe, my personal Twitter is all there. Abe, A-B-E, is a legend. That's all there. Um, similarly, the Creative Boobles Twitter account, it's not active enough, but it will be active enough in 2018 because there's stuff coming up. Creative Bluebee, but if you search Creative Bluebles, you'll also find it. Mm-hmm. And jump on the mailing list. Like Go on to creativebluebles.com and see our mailing list because you'll always get that email. But I, I think the social medias are probably the most important ones. Like, either me personally or the website. Like If you... So me personally, ordered Creative Bluebell's Twitter are the best ways to stay on top of the journey. Um, yeah, like I would love. It's weird because I feel like the people who get the best experience, but unfortunately, it's not open to everyone. Is the Snapchat, but it's it's consciously not open to everyone in terms of understanding. You know, my Snapchat's private, so if I don't follow you, you can't see nothing. And yeah. for me, it's a it's a decision where I just like that freedom to be able to say what I want. Like, if I want to chat shit about a meeting that went bad, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't do that on Twitter. I don't do it on Instagram. And I don't use Insta Stories, for example, because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to have to think about having to filter stuff and it's nice to have my set replaced. But yeah, those are the best ways 
So, so follow me. But the mailing list, at least if you want the most official version, the mailing list is the best. Pardon me. I think the only stress about that is that for some reason, these spam filters don't like creative blue balls. Oh, I'm going to send you a guide. Please do. Because Just mad, because even as I was saying it, I was like, why have I never asked Shurag about yeah, this? Because Shurag yeah, yeah. must know. There's like, basically, I'll send you this like email marketing guide, which yeah. basically tells you what triggers the what filters. to avoid yeah. and what tends to just to kind of drop a young mm. little gem into the episode itself is that one thing that particularly Google Mail accounts pick up on yeah. is the extensive, yeah. yeah. And it's funny you tell it because the only I use Google Mail personally and the reason why I picked Google Mail from day one was because I knew the spam filter was so good. Yeah. But to my denture right now, I was a big Exactly. Designer. And I think the reason for that is yeah. excessive use of links mm. and excessive use of graphics. Yeah. Basically, you need to normalise your emails as best as you can because yeah. anything... Do you know what I'm going to do now? Before I send anything, I'm just going to send it to you and be like, bro, what's not working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think there's a website which actually grades the spam... That's dope. That's dope. I'll try to find it. But basically, yeah. it was a guy that I came across, but I'll try to send it to you. Yeah. But um, for a lot of those that are doing digital marketing... Um, and doing email marketing, you know, mm. different email providers have different spam thresholds. Yeah. So definitely do that. But that's on a tangent. But yeah, yeah follow Abe. Abe is legend. Creative mm. Blue Balls. And sure, on an especial note for me as well, is that like, yeah, as yes, follow me, follow my work, whatever. But next year when, like, you know, the thing with me and the writers I'm putting on, this isn't humility or anything. I think they're all better writers than me. Like, this, I'm even going to drop some names. Like, Ifri Frederick, who got, you know, you know, a lot of people who are listening probably won't know anything about this award, but she got she got uh, shortlisted for an award called the Verity Bargate, which is Soho mm-hmm. Theatre. Like, mad awards. Like, she got she got shortlisted or longlisted for three separate awards from them. Like, amazing. We've got um, Ross, who was on the... Is that his name? Yeah, Ross. <laughs> I had to think for a second. Ross, I was thinking, is that his surname? But yeah like, was on the Royal Court's writers group with me. And, but the point is, like, the writers who I'm picking, I feel like they're doing even better things than me. Like, they're so... And they just... And I want to be a part of their journey. Most definitely. Yeah. So come, like, come... Like, as well as following me, come, follow the company. Because yeah. if you like my work, you're going to love their work. And if you haven't seen Abe's works yet, trust me, like, if, if my word holds any weight, I will definitely say there's something you'll walk away yeah. from one of his yeah. showcases or one of his events that will at least allow you to either get into theatre in one way or another. And even if you don't, at least you've got a, a notable name that you can refer to that later down the line saying, brah, like at the beginning of my man's journey, I saw one of his early works. And do you know what? We've got a great generation of young people that mm-hmm. are the same age as us that we can say that, yo, we know this person and I think we need to do that. And I think it goes back to an earlier point we made where it says, it takes a community for one person to be a success. And I'm thankful to be part of Abe's community and to see his successes come later as they have come so far and more to come there. But yeah, that's another episode of Finding Your Forte. This is probably been... 2020. <laughs> 2020, we're doing the next one. The next one's going to be 2020. But yeah, this <laughs> no, has been I'll another episode of another Finding Your Forte. It's been a long one, but if you've you know lasted this long, God Thank bless you. you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Um, but yeah, follow the socials, the Forte UK on Instagram, on Twitter. Follow my personal Twitter where I'm just chatting a lot of crap most of the time, which is at Seeps. Um, but yeah, that's another episode of Finding Your Forte and find your forte and live your forte and love your forte.
find your forte. Live your forte. 